Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boendick people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's such a joy to welcome Leah Franklin to the show this week. Leah is a plant-based chef and entrepreneur from Mount Gambier, Australia, and a mum to three girls and a grandmother to five. From an early age, Leah had dreams of becoming a mother. She recalls the time in year 10 when students shared what they'd like to be when they left school, and Leah said, just a mum. When she met her husband and got around to living that dream, it was everything Leah had hoped and more. Leah was enjoying her life as a full-time stay-at-home mum. After almost 22 years, Leah's marriage started to break down. She was struggling with an eating disorder, which she fought hard to overcome. It was during this time, Leah also found a plant-based lifestyle, vegetarian at first for her health, However, she soon educated herself into the treatment of animals and found that an ethically plant-based lifestyle was what she felt compelled to live. Once her marriage did finally end, it was at this time that she faced some of the most challenging times of her life, transitioning from a married woman with security to a single mother of three girls with no job or financial safeguard. Thinking of the things she was good at, Leah dug deep, literally, and turned her love of gardening into a business, Serenity Home and Garden Care. She bought a $1,000 ute advertised on the side of the road and returned home to her girls to announce her new venture. The next five years saw Leah not only pour her love into the gardens of Mount Gambier, challenge the gender stereotype of the gardening industry at the time, but she also developed some incredible bonds with her often elderly female clients. When her body told her it was time to give up the lugging of chainsaws and hours of gardening, Leah turned to her other love, cooking. It was through mixed experiences of being a vegan in Mount Gambier, Leah thought she could improve the food choices for people who led this kind lifestyle. Thus, Just Frank was born. Years on, her business and her health are thriving, and she has almost paid off her home loan as a small business owner. Later in life, Leah has dealt with the identity shift of becoming an empty nester and the different emotions brought on by becoming a grandmother. Mount Gambier residents may know Leah as the face behind Just Frank, plant-based treats and meals. Today you will find out there is so much more to this inspirational, kind and determined woman. Leah shares openly and honestly today, and I'm sure you will, as I have, appreciate it greatly. Please be aware this conversation contains discussions around an eating disorder, mental health issues, birth trauma and grief. 
If you would like to chat about any aspect of a plant-based or vegetarian lifestyle in a completely non-judgmental environment, Leah would love to hear from you. If this episode is triggering for you in any way, I urge you to seek help from those around you, health prof- medical professionals or online. I've compiled a list of great international resources which can be found on the podcast landing page www.alisonnewman.net slash podcast. I really hope you enjoy today's episode and thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for welcoming me into your home, Leah. It is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, and I've got to point out that you've got some delightful treats here for us. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be me if I didn't have that. <laughs> Can you tell us what you've put out for me today? Well, I've got some Biscoff Kit Kat. And I've also got some Biscoff Rocky Road for you today. Oh, so yeah, Biscoff, in, that's having a big moment, isn't it's it? It's massive, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't I only make maybe three things with it. Yeah. But um, it's so well received, and everyone yeah. loves Biscoff. So oh, yeah. if you haven't tried it, I'm going to have some now. You need to try it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Oh man, but do you find people that eat this? that aren't vegan or vegetarian, they can't believe that it's actually vegan. Yeah, and right. but believe it or not, 80, about 80, we've done a bit of market research. Tony mm. from Metro's sort of, you know, filled me in here and there. Yeah. Um, but approximately 80% of my customers aren't vegan. Mm. So it's like a, it's across the board. Yeah. And, and literally if you don't tell anyone it's vegan, they wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. So um, I promote that it's vegan slash plant-based. Yeah. Um, but it appeals to everybody, so which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, that was just so delicious. Sorry, I'm just like <laughs> licking the remnants off of my back teeth. There's, there's a bit there to eat. <laughs> oh, it's delightful. So how did you first become interested in veganism? What was the story? So when I was 30 and I'd had my third um, daughter, mm. I was unwell and when I say unwell I was it was non-specific like I was just felt like rubbish probably ate a bit of rubbish um I had all sorts of tests and nothing came back with any particular disease or chronic condition um had chronic back pain body aches all the things went into hospital had a had a bit of an exploratory on my lady bits and I remember coming out of the anesthetic and the the doctor said, well, you're good for another 10 kids. There's nothing going on in there. Oh. And I said, okay, so what's happening? And he said, well, we call this non-specific pelvic pain, so we can just uh, offer you, because it's because it's um, cyclic, we can, off, we can just give you a hysterectomy and we'll take everything out and you'll be all good to go, which, which back in the day, back then, mm-hmm. which was um, 1995, was probably, you know, happened a lot. They just say, yeah. we'll just take everything out and that'll be good. Well... We know now that comes with a whole host of other problems. So I said, just give me a minute. You know, I said, I think I might just take, can I just take 12 months and let's just see how I go and I'll try a few conservative things myself. Yeah. And he said, okay, but, you know, um, you know, this referral's for 12 months. So, you know, I said, okay. So I went away. I started off just taking all the junk food. I ate a lot of chips, drank a lot of Coke, you know, just mm-hmm. the standard things that people have. Um, took all that out first. Then I took red meat out, mm-hmm. um, and that made a huge difference. Yeah, right. My inflammation, and and back then, I mean, I'm, I keep I'll keep saying through this back in the day, and I know it's not that long ago. Yeah. 
but we're talking 25, 26 years ago and a lot's happened since yeah, then. A yeah. lot's come to the fore about gut health and, mm-hmm. you know, inflammation in your body. Yeah. And I didn't know it was inflammation then, but once I took red meat out of my diet and dairy, I'd always had a bit of a an issue with dairy. I, As a kid, I, if I ate ice cream, I always got a bellyache or mm-hmm. I remember throwing up at several, um, uh, like, school fairs and things like that because yeah. I drink this massive milkshake and it, yeah, <laughs> it would yeah. just come out. <laughs> of course, lactose intolerance wasn't a thing back then. You didn't know anything about it. So I took those uh, red meat and dairy out and I just felt amazing. Within yeah. probably two, three months, I just all my pain went away. My back pain was so bad that if I got on the floor to change a nappy, I couldn't stand up. Wow. My, my then husband would have to yeah. get his arm and help me off the floor. Yeah. So that... That was that, and so I left in chicken and fish, mm-hmm. and I, I kept going with that for a while. And then something funny happens when you start to then do a bit of research around, um, you know, why, why is that making me feel awful, mm-hmm. that I started to then um, come across things more of an ethical nature around um, factory farming and things like that, and I was literally mortified. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was vegetarian for quite a while um and then took out the eggs and and all the things and um and of course back then it was like I joined a cult mm. my family didn't understand my my birth family didn't understand yeah. my dad um and if dad listens to this I'm not knocking him he just he knows he used to yeah. make all the the jokes about you know oh that hasn't got a face and that hasn't got a face if I was eating anything and he always make fun of me and I used to yeah. tell him to stop dad stop you know I get really offended and mm. But I learnt to just let that wash over me in the end. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully now I don't have to explain myself anymore because, you know, look now. The world's evolved it's, to catch up with you. It's caught up with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a freak show anymore. No. Um, I can actually just ask for a vegan option and, yeah, no one laughs or no one questions yeah. what I'm talking and about. And they know what you're talking about now. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'm sure people that are vegan now, if they're, you know, younger, they probably can't imagine a world where... People had no concept of what I was talking about. If I if I went somewhere and asked, can you serve that without this and that, mm-hmm. and it was like, what? <laughs> yeah, like I've only been like not eating meat probably I'm gonna say maybe twelve years, and even in that time, um, you'd ask people in restaurants, oh, what's in this stock? Mm. Like what's in the mm. stock? You know, often they boil down bones and stuff, and the people would be like, oh, what do you mean? Mm. You know, and whenever we went to Melbourne. Or Adelaide, no worries at all. Mm. It's like the country exactly. had to catch up yeah. <laughs> to yeah. the city. Yeah, but now it's just so mainstream. It's mainstream. Isn't it? It's it's yeah. crazy. I've I've watched it and it's like just warmed my heart. Yeah, because it's how my business started too. It's my mm-hmm. business started um, basically when I I met Rob and Rob's as far from vegan as you could possibly be. So yeah. I live in a house with him him there and me here and, you know, we're just completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. But we make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how my business started because I was tired of going to a cafe mm-hmm. and he could get something and I couldn't get anything. We couldn't go together yeah. and both have something. So I just thought, hmm, I think there's something, something there. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. how... How it started. And like you said before, 80% of your customers, certainly in Metro, 
aren't vegan anyway. No, so no, they're it's not. just your, your things are amazing yeah, regardless of whether they taste beautiful. And and for someone who says, <clears throat> well, I'm not sure if I'd like it, I have I don't eat vegan food. I said, you've never eaten a banana? <laughs> you've never eaten sultanas? <laughs> you know, like just name off oh. a thousand foods that are vegan. Yeah. They're accidentally vegan if you just want to put them in that category. I mean, yeah. and vegan's just, it's you know, in inverted commas. Yeah. It tends to make some people shy away from trying something mm. so yeah yeah sometimes you need to change the language which the diehard vegans don't like but i my philosophy is if we can get 80 percent of people eating less meat in a week mm. it's going to make more of an impact than 20 percent of the population only being vegan and the rest not doing anything yeah. so if you add that all together i yeah. think it it's going to make more of a difference so oh, i'm yeah. all for incremental changes if that's what you need to do but definitely yeah. more plant-based meals yeah. is the way to go and being accepting of people like i feel like the hardcore it's like it's my way or the highway oh, sort of you it's know, off-putting almost, yeah that's that's what i was about to say it's like yeah. it's alienating to people yeah um i want to educate not alienate i want to yes. i want people to be able to say to me so how do i because people know why they should mm. they don't know how they should yeah that's what i think i think people need to be shown how to do it or or have some tips on because I take it for granted that everyone knows how to cook something without meat, eggs or dairy. Yeah. But it's not if that's what you've been brought up with and that's what you've done your whole life. Yeah, that's it. It's hard to know. Yeah. So. I remember when I started work it was the first job I had outside of my family when I was um, not eating meat. Pardon me. And the girls were like, Oh but what do you eat? Mm. Like everything else except for meat mm. like it was just people couldn't get their head around right. that there is other things in the world <laughs> so everything that doesn't come from animals <laughs> like it's just it's yeah i think yeah. and that was only 10 years ago yeah it's just yeah it's a funny thing isn't it it is it is but it's it's coming along yeah it's the fastest growing social justice movement in the world mm. so and i think too because of this whole focus on the climate for sure the meat industry contributes so much mm. to that. Mm. You know, the they use so much water. They, the emissions from the cows. Um, and actually, someone told me the other day that the biggest consumer of fish in the world is the meat industry because they catch the fish to feed to the cows. Mm. And mm. The, I don't think many people would know that. So no. if this is the first time you're hearing that. I hope you feel shocked, shocked as I yeah, was when I, I heard that. Look, it's appalling. You could you could sit here all day and talk about the statistics on some things. You know, yeah. it's terrifying, really. Yeah. But um, there's no excuse for not knowing anymore. We've got the internet. Google it. You mm. know, you, it's not. Don't don't shoot the messenger. because yeah. <laughs> You've got your phone if you really want to know. Yeah, that's you it. Know, it's all there. And and once you know some of this stuff. You There's can't no unknow it. Back from it is you there? can't unknow it. And if you watched any of the documentaries, you can't unsee it either. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, so yeah, off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, I don't want. It's a it's you. a great it's a great topic, and I mm. I like those conversations peacefully with people. I don't. I'm not here to have an argument, and I and I've been targeted many a time at a at a dinner where yeah. someone knows I'm the I'm the vegan at the table. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but it has happened to me before where um, I've sort of been baited, if you like, mm -hmm. and yep. goaded into a, and I just put my hand up, so I'm not, I don't, I won't debate it. Mm. This is where I am at with it, and you can do your own research, but I'm certainly not going to have a 
stand-up argument with anybody. Yeah. And I think sometimes that says more about the person that's yeah. doing that behaviour, yeah. that they're yeah. feeling insecure about their choices. Yeah. And, I don't know, it's coming out in that way. But, yeah, I people used to say to me, st people still do say to me, if we're out for tea and, and they're eating meat and they're like, oh, sorry, we're eating this in front of you. I'm like, you do what you do. Like, mm. I'd never judge yeah, anyone same, else. Same. You know, if you want to eat it, you eat it, that's fine, that's up to you. I'll do my thing, you do your thing and, you know, I, I know <laughs> the, the vegans get such a bad rap, you know. Oh, we people do. People make such, like, a, a joke on social media, oh, you know best way to start an argument in a barbecue invite a vegan you know like all this sort of yeah no, but it's, it's rubbish like, no, I <laughs> it think annoys me people that don't choose not to eat animals i think are the most kind and caring people you'll ever find definitely so definitely and, and there's and people. there's always those vegans and i'm doing the air oh, quotes yeah yeah but there's always those christians too there's always those everything it's yeah. it's it's the person not the cause Yes, that is so true. You know, that person, if they weren't vegan, they would be something else. They'd be an extreme something else. Yeah. So it's unfair to label all vegans as extreme because we're not. We just yeah. want a better world, yeah, I guess. Absolutely. I started it for my health and that's why I went forward with it at first. But once yeah. I knew, mm. I knew. So. I was talking to someone the other day actually who started it for their health too and then discovered more and more and... Same thing, that ethical side comes in. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. It is an interesting topic. So tell me more about your, your business. What sort of products are you making in your business and and what's your sort of most popular items? Um, well, the Snickers Cut. The <laughs> Snickers Cut. Um, I, I do um, digital invoicing so I can tell in my program what's the biggest seller and which outlet sells the most and whatnot. And Snickers are four to one of everything else. <laughs> um, close second or the... The Biscoff Rocky Road's coming along <laughs> quite quickly behind it, but the granola bars are, are probably second, yeah. um, and I've I've packaged those now. I'm not a fan of the plastic, but due to the health regulations, I have to um, have them in packaging at, in the Shears Apples fridges and things like that, and, and at this point, there's no other option that's come up. Yeah. They're working on lots of different um, options that are a bit more, you know, Compostable, compostable. Mm, yeah. um, so that would be good. Yeah. Um, but I've got the packaged granola bars at four different outlets now, and they're proving to be really popular because people can pick them up and throw them in their bag, and you know, take them to the gym or whatever. So that's really mm. good. Yeah. Um, but my range of granola is amazing. It too. is amazing. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I meant I wasn't it. blowing my own trumpet no, saying amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but the sales speak for themselves, and yeah. the feedback that I get with my packaged granola mm -hmm. um, and the original um, uh, Dayton Almond has been around for seven years now. That yeah. was my original one that I took to the markets when I started to do the markets yeah. and I haven't changed the recipe 
at all. It's yeah. stayed the same, and I'm yeah. I'm passionate about the same recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob often jokes with me, and and he says, "Oh, you know, um, you know, go and get that recipe, and you know, you probably should write that recipe down." Or and I'll say something about an ingredient. He'll say, well, "Go and check your recipe." I say, "Well, it's not actually written down." <laughs> He says, well, how does that work? I say, because I know, I just know, I you know the recipe. Know. I've I've scaled that one from, you know, six little bags that I used to take to the market to, you know, I make <laughs> tubs, 20, tubs 20, 300 gram bags in one batch of each flavour. So, yeah. you know, the bowl's gone from, you know, the listeners can't see, but it's gone from this to, I've got these massive big stainless steel bowls on the bench, you know. Yeah. But I'm super, super proud of my granola. I'm yeah. proud of all my products. I'm I'm really proud of my products. They've yeah. um, I've gone into sweets, but it didn't start like that. It mm-hmm. started with savoury meals. That's yeah. how it started. But yeah, it's just evolved into sweets, and <laughs> and most of them are um, you know whole food sweets with you know not massive amounts of sugar or anything like a little bit of sugar in the chocolate, mm-hmm. um, and then. It was my youngest daughter who um, was vegan for some time and mm-hmm. she just said to me one day, she said, Mum, she said, I love all the healthy stuff, all the, you know, air quotes again, the healthy, <laughs> you know, super wholesome stuff. Yeah. But she said, I'm craving something rubbish, something <laughs> sugary, something. Yeah. She, and she's the she was the one that got me to start with the donuts. Yeah. She yeah. said, I just would love a donut that's vegan, but it's oozing sugar and you know all that decadent stuff <laughs> yeah. and I said oh it goes so against my grain she said I know mum but but maybe that's what people would like and I went oh and it was like she had an arm up behind my yeah. back please please so I, I relented and yeah. the donuts went gangbusters yeah they yeah. were just you couldn't keep up with them <laughs> she was would call me every second day um we're out of donuts <laughs> we need more donuts and yeah I had my whole bench kitchen bench was just wall-to-wall donuts you know yeah. laid out you know steaming you know cooling and I was icing and getting them into containers and labels and taking them back down to she's apples and 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 my daughter's gone mm-hmm see what I'm talking about mum <laughs> it's okay you were right so then you know I've got I've got a few lines that aren't the wholesome type but you know people love those as well so there's a place for both yeah but I will yeah. always always focus on the whole food you know the really yeah. decadent, uh, the the decadent healthy yeah. um, lines, and I'll always have some decadent, not quite so healthy <laughs> lines. But it's it's the balance. Yeah, it's that's all about it, the balance. It? Yeah, that, that, that's it. Um, <clears throat> so you you make it all here. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets made anywhere else or packaged no. anywhere. It's all no, here. It's all with these two hands. Yep. That's and I thought and I thought and had it suggested to me many a time that I should scale the business and. You know, <clears throat> do more and send it to more places and get it out there more. But um, I'm a real people person, and I I I don't know. Maybe it's cutting off my nose to spite my face because I'm sure the business could be much bigger. Yeah. But I I want it to be my two hands, mm. and I want to I like I like to hand deliver my things. You know, yeah. I go down to Metro, and Tony and I will have a hug and stand out the back and talk about the meaning of life and 
Yeah. I mean, we talk for five minutes about just Frank and, you know, what she's doing there. And then, and then we go on to other things and, Mm. and I love that. And if I don't, if I don't do that, I'm just in the kitchen by myself Mm. and that's quite isolating at times. Yeah. Just to be by yourself, you know, with your own thoughts. And when you're an anxiety sufferer like I am, your own thoughts aren't always the best yeah. thing to be with by yourself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love to get out. And, yeah, <laughs> sometimes if I'm lucky, I'll I'll sit in the cafe and I'll see somebody eating my food, which is, like, blows my mind every time. I'm yeah. nearly eight years down the track. And to see someone with a plate yeah. with my food on it, enjoying it with their coffee... Um, yeah, it's, I still have to pinch myself. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I love that. So you do have, some of your products do go to Adelaide. When you yeah. go to Adelaide, you yeah. take, yeah. take them up with yeah, you. Yeah, I take a, I've got a cafe in West Croydon up there, mm-hmm. Joy of Flora, yeah. and beautiful Mark. He, he supports my little business and, and his customers love my goodies. They're completely different to what he has there. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, he's he's always giving me a message saying, "When are you coming next? I need some more." <laughs> or if my girls are home, they'll take they'll take a, they've just taken a delivery back this weekend for him. Yeah. So he claps his hands. He says, "Yay!" <laughs> <laughs> and he has to ration it out. Like yeah. he, he keeps yeah. he keeps it in his cool room and he just puts out a couple at a time because. He says, if he puts it all at once, they'll just buy it all, and then I don't know when you're coming next. <laughs> oh, and freight's so expensive, it's just oh, yeah. it's just ridiculous. It yeah. probably and cost like me $40 to send a little yeah. box. So. And you lose that personal connection, oh, yeah. which is so important yeah. to you. So. Yeah, yeah. I, love, I love going up there and seeing him, and we have a have a sit and, a, yeah. and, a, and again talk about the meaning of life. And I don't know, I just seem to attract these really deep people. <laughs> and we don't talk about the weather, we talk about oh. other stuff. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. So you've also had a gardening business in the past. I have. I have. And probably a lot of people don't know that. And wow, what a contrast from this to that. (laughs) So in 2009, after um, 22 years together, um, my husband and I separated. And I'd been a stay-at-home mum for, you know, probably 16 of those years and had done um, paid work in that time. But... um, I've always we made a we made a very firm decision together when we first had children that I would stay home mm-hmm. and he would go to work. Very traditional. Yeah. Probably the feminist 
now would be like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) And what century are you from? But we loved it. We absolutely loved it. It was that whole, you know, he'd he'd walk, he'd he'd call me. He was he at the time he was a rep on the road, and he would call me and he would say, "I'm going to be home at five thirty. So five thirty on the dot. He'd walk in the door. He'd go straight to the bedroom, get changed, and I'd put tea on the table. The kids would all come in, and it was our family time. So we'd sit down and and you know talk about our day, and it was <laughs> the highlight of the day. Yeah. And, you know, he'd, he'd come home to um, the fire was going and, you know, he quite often comments, oh, it's just so nice to walk inside and the kids were laughing and, you know, the, yeah. mind you, they weren't laughing every day. Yeah. <laughs> and mum wasn't either, but, <laughs> but it was a very traditional, in air quotes, you know, that kind of um, situation that we had and we just, we both loved our roles. Yeah. So um, when we separated, I thought, what am I going to do? So I was offered a part-time job, um, at, which I was happy to take, and we agreed when we separated on a 50-50 split, which we discussed at length, um, and we were both happy with that situation. We were freehold, so we just decided who was having what car, and, and I'm making it sound very cold and emotionless, but you know, I think you can probably you can probably gather that it wasn't like that, but for the purposes of just saying how it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had also, we'd, we'd been in the house for 20 years, so it was very firmly a family home. And, and when we bought the house, there was no garden, there was nothing. So we, I'd, I'd spent, you know, the majority of that time building the most beautiful, if I do say so myself, it was just yeah. a magnificent garden with big trees and, you know, it was gorgeous. And, yeah. um my ex-husband wasn't a big fan of gardening on that scale, so it was agreed that I would buy him out of his share mm-hmm. and he would he would then go on and, and do whatever he needed to do with that and the girls would then stay in the home as well. Yeah. So that's what we agreed to. So um, we got the finances sorted. We, um, we got a solicitor each for the purposes of paper signing, not for arguing. And he went off and signed his, and I went off and signed mine. Um, My solicitor highly encouraged me to take him to the cleaners, basically, and take more than what we'd agreed upon. And when I when I said to him, "No, I'm not doing that," and he he said, "Well, I can't believe you're going to do that because you are entitled to more." And I said, "That's what we've agreed to. We've worked together to build what we had." Mm -hmm. And I said, "No, my girls are watching." And I want to be able to look at my children one day and them look at me and know I didn't take their dad to the cleaners because there's yeah. no need for that and I just didn't want to do that. Yeah. So we settled and, you know, did our thing. Um, I went off to the bank and I made an appointment and sat down with the, the male bank person, mm-hmm. you know, stated my case that I had a part-time job coming up and, and I had more than more than you know, like I had more than what I needed to, you know, do what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And he flicked through his papers and he said, oh, well, I can see, you know, I can see your husband's name um, here as the, the financial contributor. I mean, at, we were the house was jointly owned, but mm-hmm. he, he was the one that, you know, his name was on the finances and yeah. things like that. And he said, I can't see, can't see here anywhere where, you know, you've done too much and, you know, you'll need to, you know, because um, 
stay-at-home motherhood is not Because you've only raised the children. <laughs> yeah, the next you generation of together. taxpayers, if you like. Um, so he said, well, I said, well, I've got part-time work, so, and it was, you know, like for me to pay his share out was, you know, it wasn't a massive, it's not like I was I was asking for the whole amount. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, well... Uh, you'll need to you'll need to go out and get full time work, and you'll need to do that for twelve months before we'll look at the fact that you can actually contribute to you know your repayments. So um, I mean I'm ropeable about that now. When I look back, and every time I think about it, it makes my makes me so angry. Yeah. But at the time, I understand they had to they had to know they were going to get their money. I get that. Yeah. Um, so I, I walked out of the bank devastated and devastated is probably an understatement Mm -hmm. um but um turns out that um because of time my husband didn't want to wait so he ended up buying me out but he but he got he got approval immediately he got overnight approval Mm -hmm. he bought me out paid me out the whole thing the -hmm. whole thing was settled um so my girls and I moved out um got a rental and the only way I could get the rental because I had no rental history was to pay six months rent up front. So out of my share of our settlement, I had to take $8,000 and pay for a house for us to live in for six months. And then um, I thought, well, what am I going to do for work now? Because, you know, if I'm going to buy a house, eventually I'm going to need full-time work. So I thought I have no idea what I'm going to do. So um, one day I was driving along White Avenue and I saw this little ute parked on the side of the road and it got me thinking. I thought, what am I good at? Well, I'm good at cooking and I'm good at gardening and that's the extent of my skills, really. Um, So I thought, right. So anyway, I went back. I drove back to the ute and I got the guy's phone number and I called him up and I made an offer and it was was like a $1,200 ute and I think I got it for $1,000. Yeah. So I called up. My girls and I said, oh, I need someone. If I come home, I need to pick someone up and come back and help me pick this car up. And they're like, What the hell, Mum? What are you doing? And I said, Well, I've just bought this little unit. I'm going to throw all my gardening tools in it, yeah. and I'm going to try and get some gardening work around town. And they said, Oh, rightio, okay. <laughs> so um, I got the ute, took it home, threw all my tools in. And at the time, I lived um, in a we lived in a cul-de-sac and. It, uh, Father Brian Ashworth lived at the end of the cul-de-sac from yeah. the Anglican Church. Yeah, I remember him. And him and his wife were walking past one day, and I said, "Oh, what are you, what are you doing here?" And I said, "Oh, well, I'm, I, I didn't know what I was going to do for a job, so I'm, I'm going to see if I can get some gardening work." Ah, oh, well, we've got some things down here that we need doing. And they had like a terraced garden, and he couldn't get up anymore up yep. the steps to to do the gardening. So <laughs> they got me to have a look, and I said, "Yeah, that's great. I'll I'll come down and do your weeding and mow your lawns and." Yep. And, of course, big congregation at the Anglican Church, oh, yeah. isn't there? So <laughs> Father Brian told someone and yeah. that person told someone. And before I knew it, I had six or seven clients. Yeah. 
So I thought, well, I probably need to get myself a, an accountant to sort out all these thousands and thousands of dollars that I'm going to make. Not, not, <laughs> not really, but but I tongue needed to cheek. I needed to yeah, tongue in cheek for sure. I needed to sort my finances out. So yeah. I enlisted. Uh, I'm an accountant, and I went to the accountant, and we're going through all my my things, and he said. So what's this lump sum of money that you've got sitting here in the bank, which was the settlement from the house? And um, I said, oh, well, that's my, that's my settlement. And he said, well, why is it sitting here in the bank? He said, you know, you probably really should be doing something with that. And I said, well, I wanted to buy a house, but the bank have refused to give me any money. And he said, well, that's interesting. He said, have you sought the services of a financial advisor? And I said, oh, no. And he said, well, Marion Kilsby. She's just around the corner at Midas. She said, you, you need to pop around there and have a chat to her. She'll be able to help you out. And I said, oh, you know, I don't know if I really want to do all that. I'm, I'm pretty broken by that, and I just don't want to be refused again. I'd rather just sit the money there, and I'll just see what happens. He said, no. He said, I think she'll be able to help you. Yeah. So I made an appointment with Marion. I'd never met Marion before. Got to my appointment, and I and I had I remember having a hanky stuffed in my pocket and I was wiping my eyes I just didn't want to have to go in there and and just go through this again mm. so she called me in got to walked up the hallway and got to the door and and she stopped at her door to sort of you know flag me through and she looked at me she could see I'd been crying and she said what's wrong and I said oh you know I'm just broken by all this and you know I just don't really want to have to go through this whole situation with the bank mm. and she kicked the door shut with her stiletto heel. She pushed a box of tissues across the table and she said, that'll be the last time we're going to cry about this. She said, we've got some work to do. <laughs> so we, we spent the next hour going through everything and yeah. and she said, oh, no, she said, look, let's let's get you a house. She said, um, have you seen something you like? I said, I have. I've seen this beautiful house that I would like to buy and it's it's not huge and it's, you know, it's an older home and I, and I really, really love it and it's just... I probably didn't realise at the time, but it was a similar style to the home that that had been a marital home, only it was just a bit smaller. Yeah. But yeah. the layout was literally exactly the same, mm. just minus it didn't have the big family room and I didn't need that anymore. Yeah. So um, she said, well, you go and get yourself an inspection and this is the amount that I think we'll be able to get for you if you want to go and borrow some money from the bank. And I said, are you, are you joking? Mm. She said, no, no. She said, off you go. <laughs> so I booked an, I booked an inspection at the house and yeah. went through the house by myself. I didn't take the girls. I just thought oh, I just need to do this in case in case it all comes back to bite yeah. me. I don't want to get anyone's hopes up about it. Yeah. Had a look, went back to Marion and I told her about it. She said, "Well, off you go and make an offer. Go and make an offer on it." So I made an offer and we did a bit of backwards and forwards and put the offer in. Gave that to Marion and she called me that night and she said, "Well, you've got phone approval from the bank." <laughs> And like I, I literally <laughs> dropped to my knees. Yeah. yeah. And I said, "Don't tell me you're not joking." I said, "What are the chances of this all going sour?" And she said, "It's probably not. It's it's for real." And and yeah. you know, I think I think you'll be right. So, mm-hmm. went back to the real estate agent, and my loan was approved, and I bought my house. <laughs> so that's how the the gardening happened, yeah. and the gardening just grew and grew and grew, and it got yeah. to the point where I couldn't keep up anymore by myself so I employed someone um that didn't end up end up working out because you know it wasn't quite the right person and by then my body was pretty broken Mm -hmm. I was I mean I was wielding chainsaws and you know I know my husband my ex-husband called me up one day and he said um 
He said, someone's just come back to work and told me they saw you on Will Street with a chainsaw cutting the limbs off an overhanging tree on the footpath. I said, that's right. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to earn a living here. He said, my goodness. He said, that's a lot. And I said, yeah, it's a lot. But I did that for um, almost five years. And my customers were, um, when I look back on that, my customers were, I, I really struggled with empty nesting. Yeah, right. And my customers were my people. They were my family. They were, I gardened mostly for the elderly, mostly elderly women who were on their own. I had a few beautiful elderly gentlemen as well who lost their wives. Mm -hmm. And almost every gardening, um, like I booked booked an eight-hour day, Mm -hmm. but probably six hours was work and two hours was cups of tea. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't can't (laughs) garden for an 85-year-old without having a cup of tea. At the end, and, and so yeah, that was, connection for them as well would have oh, been massive. I had one particular lady who used to wait on the footpath for me to come. She'd know I was coming at a certain time, oh, and sweet. she would she would wait out yeah. for me. But the mm-hmm. bonds I built with those customers yeah. were was everything for me. They were they were like another family. It was the best. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that, and then my body started to break. Mm-hmm. And my GP at the time was one of my very, very dearest friends. Yeah. And she kept saying to me, Leah, you just cannot keep doing this. I had neck issues. I had shoulder issues. My back was virtually broken. And I just kept going and going and going because, yeah. A, I didn't want to let my people down. Yeah. They were, I just couldn't let them down. And I didn't know what else I was going to do mm. for, for yeah. a job. Yeah. I now had this mortgage, which wasn't huge. But I used to have, I used to wake up in the night in a hot sweat mm-hmm. and I used to lay there and like I'd wake up startled and I'd think, and I'd, I'd be crying and I'd say to myself, you are totally responsible for this mortgage on your own. Like there's, oh. there's no one to bail you out now. Like I said, it wasn't big, yeah. but just that, like when you've been married for so long mm-hmm. and you've always got that person next to you, if you know, if something happens, you've, you've got them and you can yeah. feed off each other and get through yeah. it together. But when, you, when you're doing it by yourself, and I was doing, need I say, or hesitate to say, a man's, a man's job. It was a male-dominated mm, business that I was working in. Yeah. Um, I did find out once there was a crew of um, gardeners who have more than one vehicle around town mm-hmm. um, that one Christmas, one of their Christmas shows they had, they were making bets on how long I would last in the business. They were laughing oh. at my at the fact that, I was doing it, and they were making taking bets as to how long I would be in the business. So, but anyway, five years. I got Bloody five years. Hell. So yeah, oh, that that's, was that's that was. Isn't it? Well, I thought I would. I thought that would have upset me when I was told that, and I was told by another gardener who was at that Christmas show, and yeah. he came back to me and he said, "Oh, that, he said you would have, you should have heard them." Mm-hmm. I thought it would have made me sad, but it actually infuriated me, mm-hmm. and it drove me yep. to work even harder. And it's probably how I broke myself. <laughs> Because I'm like, I'll show you, yeah. nah, 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 you know. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot to prove. I had a lot yeah. to prove to myself yeah. and to the fact that it was a male-dominated industry that I was working in. And I, yeah. at that time, I was the only female out there doing it. Yeah. And I think that's why I appealed to the female, the elderly females that I worked yeah. for, because I think they felt safe. I had the keys to a lot of gates and gardening sheds, and, yeah. and I often wouldn't tell them I was going to be there. I'll just open the gate and walk in, knock on the door. So I think they felt safe for me wandering around their yard and, yeah. you know, it was a different 
a different yeah. thing for them rather than having a guy. No offence to the guys, but yeah, no, I think it's that's just a fact. Very, very reasonable to say that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So my body was telling me it was time and I had been sharing recipes on my Facebook page just to my friends, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, I made this and and it's funny, a memory came up the other day and it was funny how many people would say, oh, wow, that's really nice and and then I'd write, I'll share the recipe with you if you like and someone would say, oh, yes, please and then someone would go, oh, me too, please and me too and it just grew, (laughs) like it went from two people asking for the recipe to you know, seven, eight, nine people. And then I started a blog. So yeah. I had a blog and I'd share my recipes on the blog and that, that grew. And then um, I thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a little trial. I'm going to make some morning teas and I'm going to take them to a couple of places for free mm-hmm. and I'm not going to tell them they're vegan. <laughs> and I'm just going to see. <laughs> so Marion from Midas Home Loans was one. Yeah. I messaged her and I said, hey, Marion, do you want to be part of a little trial? I just want to bring in some morning teas for your staff and I just want to see how that is. And More Seeds Real Estate was the other. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a while and they're like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. You know, it was no one no one could tell and, yeah. and oh, that's good. So then I, then I started making morning teas mm-hmm. and advertising them on my Facebook page that I would deliver to workplaces mm-hmm. and that went really well. Yeah. Then I thought... Oh, that's cool. Maybe I could make a menu. So yeah. I made a menu. So it was a three-course lunch. So yeah. it was a snack, a main, and a dessert. Mm-hmm. And I made a, a different menu every week. Yeah. And people could order from the menu, and they would they would pay me in cash when I got there, or they could de- direct deposit. Mm-hmm. And and I just would put them in my car, and I would drive them around. Yeah. So I registered my kitchen and got all that passed yeah. and started that. <laughs> Now I was working, I was working four days a week in my gardening business from six thirty in the morning till whenever it was dark was when I backed the ute back into the driveway. Yeah. Fly out of the ute on a Thursday night, jump in the shower, check my emails to get all my how many people were going to order. Yeah. I'd literally do an all nighter, and I oh. kid you not, I would I would work, and you ask my girls, the couple that were still home. Yeah. I would work literally through the night till four five o'clock in the morning. Oh, gosh. Have a quick sleep jump up, pack all the orders up, and Friday was delivery day. So I'd work Friday morning, throw everything in the car at 11 o'clock and deliver everything. Well, that just got out of control. Yeah. Like, you've got to be careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> so that so then I cut Thursdays out of my gardening business. So it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday gardening, Thursday, Friday menus. That grew, started doing markets on the weekend. So it was Monday to Wednesday gardening, Thursday, Friday Saturday preparation for a Sunday market and I was just working I was working 18 hour days every day so I was Monday Tuesday Wednesday gardening and getting out of the ute throwing all my dirty clothes in a pile having a shower getting dressed and then straight into the kitchen yeah it was ridiculous yeah yeah and it wasn't long before my not only my physical body Mm. but my mental health just did a spiral and I can remember the day yeah. that it happened it was like a it was 
an actual moment that I remember this is out of control and I can't keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But then, then I just, um, I don't know how to put it into words. I'd built these businesses from scratch mm-hmm. and, and I still get really emotional about my gardening business, about letting it go because the process of letting something go that you built from scratch and that was a crutch for me through some of my darkest moments after my marriage breakup. And I couldn't just give these people to somebody else. Yeah. You had a real relationship with Mm. them, didn't you? Yeah. And my accountant, bless his heart, he said, you know, you've got a saleable business here. Let's let's value the business and because I had a well I bought a a beat up old Ute but I upgraded to a a near new Toyota Hilux that I paid cash for. I had a trailer built from scratch, a great big trailer with all the toolboxes, and I paid cash for that. And I was so proud of what I'd built. Yeah. And yeah. and my ex-husband was proud of me too. You yeah. know, he 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 was really proud of of what I'd yeah what I what I'd built and how I'd pulled myself up and got back on my feet. Yeah. Um, and I said to my accountant, I can't. This is exactly what I said to him. I said, I can't give. I can't sell my people. And he just looked at me and he said, I know what you're saying, but but this is a saleable business. I said, I can't sell my people. Mm. And that's the bottom line. I, yeah. I understand that I'm probably throwing money down the drain, but I can't do it. I said, I can sell all my plant and equipment, mm. but I need to find homes for my people. Yeah. So I hand-picked other gardeners that I knew, and yeah. I had a couple of guys that had offered help to me throughout the years. <clears throat> And if I had a really heavy job that I couldn't do, I'd mm-hmm. call up these couple of guys who are friends to this day. They're just the most beautiful men. Yeah. And I rang them and I said, hey, how many people can you take on? Because I've got this lady and I think she'd really suit you. And I've got this gentleman who's got a big lawn, so you're right on mower would be really cool. And between us, we worked it out. Oh. They took they took this one and that one. And I I took I met them there and introduced them to these oh. people. I, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't. It took me it took me twelve months to ease myself out of the business and mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I knew everybody was okay yeah. that I let it go and I still kept two so even when I was yeah. doing just Frank full time and I was in the full swing of it I had two beautiful women that I kept mm-hmm. that I just couldn't let go yeah. and I knew one sadly was not going to be with us for a long time so I kept her till the end yeah. and the other lady I eventually let go because I just couldn't keep doing it so yeah. that was how I got out of gardening oh, that's massive isn't it it was it's, it's it a was real big a real almost grieving process it like was that, that 12 months of oh. moving through those stages yeah. that's huge and my partner now rob he he held my hand all the way through at yeah. first he was a bit like my accountant he's like just <laughs> sell it let it go and yeah. he saw how many meltdowns i had i said i can't and it won't matter how you t- how you explain it to me mm. i just can't do it it just yeah. meant it just it was like it really like selling my mum because yeah. that's who they were to me. They yeah. were just, you know, beautiful, beautiful people and I couldn't do it. So I sold my plant and equipment yeah. and that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was easy but but I worked hard for those things too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I parted with those and I, I swapped the Toyota Hilux for a, a little Holden combo van that I had signed written with Just Frank emblazoned yeah. all over the side. <laughs> and I had a different vehicle to, yeah. to sell a different thing. Yeah. So, yeah, and it just grew. Mm-hmm. She's Apples and Metro, I cannot speak highly of for the support they've given me. Tony from Metro was the first person to put her hand up and say, bring it in here, we'll mm-hmm. have it. And I took my first products in there. Yeah. 
and um, she's apples. Yeah, um, they have been amazing. They mm-hmm. they let me do. They just give me free reign. Yeah, and I, I know that probably sounds. If they if they'll, they'll listen to this and they'll be like, <laughs> yeah, we pretty much do. <laughs> I mean, I just uh, I just went in the other day and spoke to Riley and I said, hey Riley, I've got. He handles all the all my granola on the shelf. It's mm-hmm. his department. Yeah. I said, hey, Riley, I've got a new product coming that's um, that I want to put on the shelves. It's not a, not refrigerated. It's a, um, a do it like a uh, make-at-home mix in a bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Let us know when you're bringing it in. We'll make a, make a space on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how good is that? Yeah. I yeah. mean, they're just, they're just the, my biggest supporters, and they mm-hmm. support so many small businesses in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't ask for more than yeah. that, can you? It's fantastic, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is. I'm so grateful. And as I said, Tony's been a mentor as well. She's mentored me through some breakdown moments where I've said, I don't know which way to take this. You know, I'm like, maybe I'll just throw it all in. It's too much. And she said, just take a minute, just scale it, just take out the things you don't want to do. You know, she's yeah. yeah she sat there and talked me off a cliff a few times and <laughs> she doesn't need to, she probably wonders why I haven't come in lately, but to, to have those chats, but I've, I've, I think she's taught me a lot about how to manage things and don't mm. let things get out of hand. Don't do things you don't want to do. Say no when you need to say no, and I'm pretty mm. good at that now. Yeah. That's a big thing too yeah. for um, for women, but also people that are really highly sensitive energetically like mm. you are because mm. our first instinct is to just please go, yes, no worries, I can mm. do that. And then you think about it after and go, oh, crap, how am I going to do it? And then you burn yourself, you know, oh, yourself yeah. into a hole to satisfy other people. Um, so that is a big thing to mm. be able to say that. And yeah. you know what? I'd be lying <clears throat> if I said it also wasn't an ego thing. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, of course, if people love your stuff and they oh, want it, you just yeah. want to keep on giving, giving, yeah. giving, giving. Because yeah. who would I who would I be to say, you know, no, I don't want you to <laughs> showcase my product, you know. And yeah. if I was 20 years younger, maybe I would have scaled it. Maybe I would have, maybe mm. I would have found the right person to help me and I would have scaled it. But, you know, I don't want to do that now. I want it to yeah. be me and I love – and I've contained it now, you know. Yeah, you've made it manageable for yeah. you to yeah. keep maintaining to yeah. do what you're doing. Because I yeah. was going to burn out for sure yeah. and I saw that and my mental health was suffering big time. Yeah. And menopause is a bitch. <laughs> Let me tell you, menopause <laughs> nearly brought me unstuck yeah. anxiety-wise. Like yeah. it hit me – you know, I thought menopause was hot flushes and that's really all I'd seen my mum go through. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, when it when it hit, it was a bitch and it nearly took me out anxiety-wise. I mean, Rob will tell you, I used to... It, it kept me in the house. Yeah, right. And when I was, when I was delivering meals, um, I, would, I would get all my deliveries lined up, ready to go, and I would quite often have to call him because we didn't live together then. I would quite often have to call him and he would he would literally have to talk me step by step out of the house yeah. to the car yeah. and to the first place. Once I was at the first place, I was fine, mm-hmm. but actually leaving the house. And I think it was a bit of um, um, imposter syndrome yeah. as well. I yeah. think I was like, it, I was fine while I was cooking it. Yeah. I was fine while I was getting the orders off my website and, you know, my emails and all the things but once it came to actually coming face to face with the people I was like who do you think you are who do you think you are 
with your name written on your car, driving around pretending you're somebody. You know, people think you do these things and, oh, wow, that's so cool. She's, you know, got this successful business. They, they really have no idea what goes on mm. in your mind sometimes. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. Not, it's not all what it appears on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I want to go to a point where you, you talked about being an empty nester. Mm. So you have three daughters. I do. And obviously they're not living in your home no, now. Where no. are your girls? I have two in Adelaide. So mm -hmm. my eldest and middle daughter, Cassie and Mia, they're both in Adelaide. Yep. And I have Georgia here in Mount Cambia. Thank good, thank goodness one of them stayed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't, I totally understand why they've, you know, gone. Yeah. Um, Mia went off to uni when she was 19 mm -hmm. and um, and I remember driving my husband and I had had separated not long before and um, I can't swear because he, he swore when he said it to me but I can't swear on here can I you can oh, swear can I? Oh. go for it so we, we so we we made a pact with each other when we separated that we would always parent well together. We would continue to parent. Our girls were 21, 19 and 14 when we separated, so they weren't babies, but, yeah. you know, it's still it's still impactful on the family unit no matter what age they are. But I guess a little bit easier when they're older. They they knew things weren't great at home, so it, the writing was on the wall. Mm. But we... We vowed that no matter what happened between us, we would, we would still do our best to parent. Well, the first 12 months were a bit bit rocky while everyone navigated and there was a lot of hurt and, and the, the normal things that go on in a in a breakdown but um we wanted to drive Mia to uni ourselves together so what 
who does that? Who separates from their husband and then gets in a car in a confined space <laughs> for, five for five hours <laughs> and drives somewhere? You can't get out. Like, you can't just open the door and yeah, jump out. Yeah, not going to escape. <laughs> it was quiet. Let's just say it was quiet. Yeah. So we, we drove her up to Flinders and we we took her in and it was orientation day and all the things and we, you know, took her up to her room and we got her settled and, and then it was time to go. Mm-hmm. Well, Mia, Cassie, Cassie had moved out, but Mia was the second one. Cassie was still in town, but Mia was the first one to move away. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was such a hands-on mum. I'll... I'll stop short of saying I was a helicopter parent because I don't think I was a helicopter parent. I've actually asked my girls, since that term's been thrown around, yeah. I've said to my girls, do you think I was a helicopter parent? And they've said no. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I just was there. I was yeah. just there. Yeah. When I was needed, I was there. And sometimes probably when I was not needed, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> or not wanted, I was there. <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah. Um, but it was it was gut-wrenching yeah. to leave her there. And and we we walked out of we walked out of the building, and we were walking back to the car. Not like I was sobbing, mm. I was sobbing, and he was walking behind me, and he knew what kind of mum I was. So you know he probably shouldn't have said it, but he said, "What's wrong with you?" And I turned around and I said, "You know what's wrong with me?" And he said, "Oh, I don't know why you're crying so much. She's not fucking dying." <laughs> well. It's a long way from Adelaide to Mount Gambier when you're just looking out the window and you're not speaking to each other because I oh. never spoke. I never spoke to him all the way home. I, I yeah. just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. I cried. I cried all the way home and I probably cried for the next week because yeah. I knew I knew she wasn't coming back. Yeah. I knew yeah, she once was, she, she went to Adelaide and she found her new life, she wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's okay because that's what they're meant to do and, and we're meant to let them spread their wings and fly. Mm. But nothing prepared me yeah. for for how I was going to navigate that myself. Mm-hmm. And because I'd been such a hands-on mum, I didn't know who I was. Yeah. And yeah. I think even when, when our marriage was nearing the end, I could see the writing on the wall, like, you know, the eldest one starts leaving the house a bit more, so you've got two, and then the next one starts to go. And we had a... We had a, a five-year gap between our middle daughter and Georgia, so mm-hmm. so they were the two were gone, and Georgia was still home a lot, and then they'd come back, and you know things ebbed and flowed. Mm-hmm. But the times when it was just Georgia and and my husband and I, I remember I could feel it. Mm-hmm. I would look, I would look around, and I could feel the anxiety. And I, I was looking around, and I was thinking like. I'm doing the movement. No one can see me, but I'm doing the movements now while I'm telling you because I can. Cause t- I can, yeah, I can tell you that I can it makes see me anxious because yeah. yeah. I could see it coming, yeah. and the panic. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that knows me well, I had an eating disorder right. around that time, sort of yeah. maybe maybe four years before um, we separated. Yeah. And I think it was I think it was the struggle of me trying to find myself. Yeah. And I didn't know who I was. I had I had. I didn't have anything else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I didn't yeah. have, I hadn't made, I didn't have a career. Yeah. I mean, I'd been an Avon rep for 15 years. I'd, yeah. I sold Avon and that's how we saved an extra bit of money and I worked at Spotlight part-time for a few hours here and there. Mm-hmm. But I'd never, I didn't know who I was apart from being someone's mum, yeah. someone's wife and someone's mum. Yeah. So when I, when I actually was present in the moment and I could see it coming, I was literally panic-stricken. Mm. Yeah. What the hell am I going to do with my life? And I looked across at my ex-husband, bless his heart, and I thought, we hadn't worked on our relationship. 
we didn't do these date nights that people do now and we didn't have holidays by ourselves. We had one night out a year and that was for our anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's all we did. We, we took holidays with our children. I mean, we took our kids on our honeymoon because we had two before we were married. Yeah. So we took the kids on our honeymoon. Yeah. So when we dropped Mia off and came back, I'd my marriage had fallen apart. Mm-hmm. My daughter had just left and gone to Adelaide, which I'm not. I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying <laughs> these were these the were huge things altogether. that happened all together in yeah. my life. My eldest daughter had moved out when. Once I bought my house and moved into it, she moved out. It was and she was ready to do that. She was probably going to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. So I I moved into my new home with with my middle daughter and my youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, then my middle daughter went to Adelaide and I came mm-hmm. back and it was and it was Georgia and I in the house, mm-hmm. and that was fantastic because we shared some wonderful moments together. Yep. Um, but I just didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah. Had no clue what was going to happen. Yeah. And Georgia had a uh, boyfriend, and so she was out of the house a lot. And man, oh man, did I have to do some soul searching in those times? Mm-hmm. There were like, you know, have you ever cried that guttural kind of cry? You know, this the kind that it hurts every part of your body, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, that that yeah. I remember sitting in front of my fireplace on my little stool that I had there, and it was just, mm-hmm. yeah, I was empty. Yeah. Run dry. I didn't know. I just didn't know how I was gonna go to the next bit. Yeah, but you did though. I did. Yeah, I did. And all these, you know, these. You look back and you think of all the people that you, you think you did it by yourself, but no one does it by themselves. Yeah. No one does it without little things that happen. You know, Marion with the the finances and mm-hmm. my accountant. Um, you know, people like that who. He just he just steered you a little bit in that direction. I had a had a wonderful mentor while I was gardening, Ernest Rolton. Oh yeah. He yeah. mentored me. He talked me off many a cliff. You know when I was because it was it was hard being in that industry, and he supported me. You know he supported me and his wife Kate. They were just amazing to me in that time, and they you know I was often on the phone to him having a sook about something, and yeah. I remember one day he said to me, Leah. He said he said. This is this is hard for me to tell you. He said, you need to take your big girl hat off and you need to put your business hat on. He said, you need to get your tissue out of your pocket, wipe your eyes mm-hmm. and straighten yourself up and you need to get back to it if that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And and it was that hard to hear because yeah. I was, because, yeah. you know, I had my, my little girl heart on the inside mm-hmm. and that was what was driving me was my little girl heart. But yeah. I had to put my little girl heart over there and put oh. the big business, the big man business heart yeah. in because I was dealing with the men out there. Yeah, yeah. And my little girl heart wasn't going to cut it. Mm. Big big life lessons they were because yeah. I, I mean, you know, and trust me to, I don't just do things in halves. Yeah. I never do. <laughs> so rather than just ease myself into life on my own gently, I'm, no, we're just going to rip off all the Band-Aids yeah. and I'm going to throw myself into that, you know, going to get a chainsaw and I'm going <laughs> to change my- <laughs> I'm going to change I'm my literally own... going to cut something yeah, yeah. down. I'm yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, I did, and I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to change my own, my own flat tire out there on OB flat when I get stuck, and you know, got yeah. bogged. Yeah, got bogged and had to, you know, get someone to come and help me out of the mud. Oh God, oh, I, I could do a whole podcast on that job. <laughs> that, that job. <laughs> oh, <coughs> well, some stories in there, but wow. but yeah, I did, I did. God, but you, the, you, you've it, done some massive stuff, haven't you? Do you look back on that and feel really proud of all the stuff that you've done? If, like you've achieved this stuff? Yeah, 
I do, but it's still, um, I still have terrible self-esteem. Yeah. After all that, I yep. still don't feel good about myself. Yeah. And I still, I still struggle terribly with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Terribly with that. Yeah, I have yep. to pinch myself. Yep. And and people think a comment on Facebook is like you know I put a post up yesterday about my my famous veggie burgers and and so many people have commented on this saying they were my favourite thing they were my favourite thing mm. and like I was reading them last night and I'm thinking are they talking about me <laughs> and you think you think that you read that and it's an ego trip because everyone's telling you how good you are but I'm I'm looking at that and I actually had to go back through some old stuff and and remind myself that I did do that or like the yeah. meal deliveries I have to remind myself and it's only if it comes up in my Facebook memories and mm-hmm. I, I go into Rob and I say like how, did, how was I doing that and gardening as well and he said yeah I remember he <laughs> said, I, don't, I don't even know how you did it he said yeah. you just I was like on autopilot the whole mm-hmm. time yeah. but yeah when I look back I think you know I, I wasn't well when I left my marriage I yeah. was still quite unwell I was my I was very underweight very yeah. underweight and that could have gone either way like yeah. I could have taken that work on mm-hmm. and literally killed myself doing yeah, it because yeah. it was pretty physical yeah. but I somehow I found it I found it in myself I'm divine intervention call it whatever you will yeah. I I got on top of it and you know I don't consider myself to have any eating issues anymore mm-hmm. um, and eating it, it like an eating disorder, it's not about the food. Yeah. I think anyone oh, that knows yeah. anything about it yeah. knows. Food, food's just the vehicle which it manifests it's in. Just, it could be anything. It's just how it... could be alcohol. Yeah. could be gambling. Yep. It could be drugs. It yep. could be exercise. Yep. You know, anything. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. I had I had that, all the comments, you know, why don't you just go home and start eating again? You know, you'll be fine. I'm like, wow, what did I think of that? What a great idea. I mean, my Hallelujah. whole world my, my whole world fell apart and my kids had to witness oh, it. God. My girls witnessed that and I'm not... Yeah. You know, talk about regrets and things. If I could go back and change anything, I, I wished my girls hadn't seen that because I lost time with my girls too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I was fighting for my for my life, but I yeah. missed time with them. Yeah. But I guess having them there too might have kept well, you going. It did. Through. It was. Yeah. It was. It was all of it. You know, it was all yeah. that kept me going, and and I think, I think all these. Um, achievements in my life since particularly since my marriage ended um, I've always not not watching in a way that they're supervising but I've always known who's watching and I've always wanted to be a a good role model for my girls I've always wanted to be um, to be able to show my girls that I got up that every time I was down I got back up yeah yeah and I continue to get back up yeah (laughs) like I said I don't do things in halves oh man (laughs) But I got up and and I tell them, you know, you can do anything. Mm. You can do anything. Yep. Well, good for you. Mm. Oh, I want to give you a hug. Give me a hug. Oh, you're amazing. No, no, no. We just do what we do so we don't cry. No.
You're listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. I come from a family of fighters. My my parents both had, you know, um, quite traumatic childhoods themselves, you know, things mm-hmm. that happened in their lives. And, and I've, it's obviously not spoken about much because that's the generation. Yeah. But I know, yeah. and I know all the details and um, mm-hmm. they're, they're strong people. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, you know, um, come through those things. And, and my sister as well, she's had her own, um, mental health battles you know mm. like me and she's stood up and yeah. said not today satan <laughs> she's gotten on with the show and i'm super 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 proud of her for how she's yeah. gotten on with her life too oh, so you know awesome. yeah, i've had had that around me but i think it's i think it's from a mum's perspective i always knew my girls were watching on mm. and like i said i just didn't ever want to I wanted to show them strength and, you know, I wanted to be able to look back and say, and I didn't want to miss, I didn't want to miss anything. I didn't want to miss being a grandparent. Yeah. I mean, imagine yeah. if I hadn't fought and I'd just lost my battle with that. Mm. Um, I would have missed all of this and they missed out too. They missed, yeah. you know, how many phone calls I get during the week and, hey, mum, or, you know, it, it can be for advice or it can be, you know, just when they're having a moment. Yeah. You know, oh, and, and I'm, I'm, so blessed that I still have my mum. Yeah. I have my mum and my dad in very good health at 80, dad's 86 and mum's 81. Yeah. And I've got, so I've got my parents on this side and I've got my, now I've got my grandchildren. I've got three beautiful grandchildren over here and I have, it's an interesting place to be Mm. because I'm in the middle and I'm, I'm, (laughs) you know, helping mum and dad with this, but I've also had the absolute blessing I've been able to call my mum and say, hey, mum, you know, when I was really unreasonable when this was happening, yeah. I'm sorry. I yeah. I didn't realise. I didn't realise. But shit, it's happening to me now. Yeah. <laughs> and, man, oh, I'm sorry. I understand now why yeah. you were like that or why, you know, yeah. why that happened because and, – and I know a lot of people don't have their mums mm. when they get to the point I'm at with grandchildren, they don't have their mums. Yeah. And my heart hurts for those women who don't have their mums to say that to, but yeah. I'm just lucky and I do it. I do it because it's yeah. important to me to be able to tell my mum that I understand now, mum, you know, I get it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm proud of you, mum, for for the way you got through that or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And mum and I cool. still lock horns sometimes. She's <laughs> 81. She's still feisty. You <laughs> worry about that. That's family, though. Isn't we lock horns sometimes. <laughs> but... But we, um, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been able to tell her. Mm. No, that's lovely. And mm. for, like, my my pop passed away almost a year ago. He was 94. Wow. So for my boys to have their great grandfather, like I just kept saying to him, "You are so lucky to mm. have a great grandfather." Oh yeah. Like not many people get to have that. No. You know, I just wanted to impress that upon them. Yeah. While while they had him, you know. Well, I think to have that relationship. Yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Amazing, definitely. You know? And I look. I you know I could probably still pick on mum and dad for bits and pieces of things, but um, you know we we all work with the tools we've got. 
Yes, we, absolutely. There's no instruction manual. I know that's thrown around a lot, that thing, but it's so true. It is so true. And I tell my girls now that they're parenting themselves, I say that to them. There's, you know, I say to them, you know that feeling you get here in the pit of your stomach? That's called your gut instinct. Mm. And you need to trust it every single time over over your friends, over sometimes your partner doctors. if you've got a gut. No, I was going to say doctors, but I don't want to get, I don't no, want to get into trouble. Doctors, the medical profession. They have their place, but I've Nothing said to... Nothing gets a mother's instinct. No, and you know what? When I look back on all the times I didn't trust it, I was right every time. Mm-hmm. Every single time. There's, I don't think there's a time that I wasn't right about trusting my gut. Mm-hmm. And I got myself into some, you know, terrible situations at times because I just went, ah, I'm sure this will be fine. It wasn't fine. Mm. It was never fine. Yeah. And yeah, if I could go back, you can't. I know that. But <laughs> I tell, I use that for them. I say to them, trust it, because most of the time, you'll be spot on. Because mm. you just Absolutely. know, you know your own babies. So. Yeah, that's it. No one knows your children better than you do. No. no. And like, it, it, I find it incredible the amount of stories I hear, like through social media of mums, who weren't listened to. Mm. It's like, even now, mm. I don't know, just you think, haven't we evolved enough to know, you know, obviously medicine has its place. Absolutely. But, but to be able to just, I don't know, I don't know, it just yeah, blows no, my I, mind. I hear what you're saying. And even as women, even, yes. even as women. Oh, I've, God, yeah. You try, you try getting an appointment or you try getting in to see about a women's issue or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that, I'm not going to go into into that but anyway it's it's a catastrophe the system's a catastrophe and i'm and i'm not surprised more women don't die because of it yeah that's so and i'm sure it happens to men too if there's any men listening i'm not i'm not saying it's you know but i'm i can only speak from a woman's Mm. perspective because i'm a woman so i can just say from my experience i think it's a catastrophe scary Mm. yep When, with your, I don't know how you've said in the past, having your girls, you know, you're always, you're conscious of them, you know, they're always watching and you're role modelling. Um, 
do you feel like that even now when they're you know moved away and grown up that it's they're watching how you know you run your business authentically and you've had the chance to you know upscale it and do whatever but you're sticking to this what's important to you um probably i mean to be perfectly honest i, I most often think they're not even looking <laughs> they're so busy yeah with yeah. their lives yeah but, but every now and again they'll come up with a that somewhat we, we have a facebook chat and we have all versions of that we have the family chat group which is the three girls their partners yeah and my partner then we have the three girls and me mm -hmm. i'm sure they have a private one of their own that they discuss <laughs> things they don't want to talk about with me like, well i know they do then we have all the versions so i've got mm -hmm. mia and cassie i've got cassie and Georgia, I've got Georgia and you know what I mean. So yeah. it's someone's birthday and you just want to talk probably, but you've yeah. got to check the names really carefully yeah, before sure. you type. <laughs> but every now, and, every now and then, I'll get a message from someone either in the group or out of the group, and they've noticed something, mm -hmm. and it makes me cry. Yeah. Like they're such beautiful human beings, yeah. and they just say the most beautiful things. They're so supportive. They're so they're so proud. They're proud of both their dad and myself mm. but when they when they say it I almost I almost um, feel undeserving yeah. of it yeah and it shocks them if they if if they do something like that or they say something nice and I react that way mm -hmm. so why why does it upset you mum? I so I just feel so undeserving of of their of their love and care they're just such beautiful humans mm. they really are and I and I do think they see what I'm doing because they tell me they're proud. Mm -hmm. They yeah. see it. They see what I'm doing. Or if yeah. I get down on myself and I say something in front of them, they, they remind me. They'll say, "Mum, mm -hmm. look at what you've done. Yeah. Like you've run these two successful businesses, and and like I'm, I'm, I'm literally a breath away from paying my house off. Yeah. It's I can yeah. I can touch it. It's <laughs> it's happening very very soon. Yeah. And they they'll say." But you did that yourself, mm. and and yep. and as I said, you don't do anything yourself. You've had help, but I haven't been employed by anybody else in that yeah. time. Yeah. So yeah. I've created these two businesses, and and I've done that. Yeah. And that's if I think about that, that's big, and that shows them mm. yep. that although I've had I've had my partner's support, you know, here and now, I've done that part of it myself, mm -hmm. and they've they've watched me come from being a crying mess literally when it mm. first all started to you know i've stood up and and got on with the show and i yeah. and i think they're great that they, probably is a great thing for them to see mm. from their mum i think particularly from their mum yes yeah and and them growing up in that era where there was the traditional roles yeah you know if anyone was going to go out and earn the money it was the dad yeah so to have their mother achieve this mm. you know that's that's mm. massive mm. you know and it just it gives them that confidence that you know you don't need someone you don't need to be married or a partner of someone who's bringing in money for you. Mm. You can go out and do it yep. yourself. Yep, which is huge. And I and I didn't. I mean, it's not like my mum didn't work. My mum worked from the time I went to school. My mum worked. Yep. It's not like I didn't see it. Yeah. But it's yep. what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I can remember yep. having a discussion um, on the humanities floor at Grant High School mm. in Year Ten. And, you know, you're all standing around, oh, what's everyone doing? And you're picking your subjects and all that. And mm -hmm. and I didn't realise it was going to be such an embarrassing topic. Right. But everyone was saying, oh, you know, what are you going to do? And someone was going to be a teacher and someone was going to be a pharmacist and da-da-da-da-da. Yep. And, 
and I said, oh, and it came round to me, and I said, oh, I just want to be a mum. And, like, it was just this deathly quiet, because even then yeah. it was an unusual thing for someone in year 10 to say they wanted to just be a mum. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, air quotes again. Yeah. It was just be a mum. And they said, oh. And I said, yeah, I can, like, I just want to have the house with the fence and the whole thing. And it's yeah. it's truly all I saw for myself. Yeah, right. Very ambitious. <laughs> where, did, where do you think that came from? Like, you said your mum worked. Oh, I don't, don't want to, if my mum listens to this, I don't want my mum to think that she did anything wrong. Yeah. But my earliest memory as a child was... Um, and it truly is my earliest memory and it's really emotional for me is when my mum dropped me off at kindy mm-hmm. standing it was they had like a this is how vivid it is they had a, like a cement box that covered the gas meter right. and I was and I stood up on the gas meter box hold, and held, held onto the front fence and I was screaming for my mum she was I, so I can see her walking to the little green Morris minor that we had yeah. and her getting in the car and leaving me there, which everyone did. Everyone mm. left their kids at kindy. It's not like she did anything, you know, yes. horrible. Um, and I was, I, would, I was just wanting her to come back. Mm-hmm. Come back, Mum, don't, don't leave me here, Mum. And I was beside, hysterical. Yeah. And back then, I even know what I was wearing. That's how vivid it is. I haven't seen a photo. Like... It's just, it's like, it's like, um, <laughs> like a PT- trauma yeah, thing PTSD. for me. Yeah. And I had this beautiful little dress that Mum had made and a hand-knitted cardigan with buttons down the front and mum used to pin our hanky on the outside with a gold safety pin and I had my hanky pinned and I was tugging at my hanky and she's driving off in the car and left me at kindy that's my earliest childhood memory and I think it's stuck with me Mm -hmm. it's just stuck with me yeah and I and I just never wanted my kids to feel like that yeah and I know it was a moment and I'm sure once mum left and they took me inside I mean Mm. I don't even remember anyone coming to get me that's I just remembered that yeah but I'm sure I was fine. I'm sure once I got inside, I was okay. But that sorrow for me, that that me wanting my mum, mm. I didn't want my girls to to have a moment of that. Yeah. So for me, and and Tony and I spoke about it very early on. He was in full agreement with, you mm-hmm. know, we it was something we chose together to. I just wanted to be home, and I wanted to raise my own children. Mum and I locked horns many a time because mum. Mum would say, oh, well, I'll, I'll come and, you know, I can come and take them and, and do this or I can come and do that. And I said, I want to do it myself. Yeah. yeah. And, she, and I remember having a big argument with Mum one day. She said, you and your bloody independence, it shits me. And I said, Mum, I didn't have my children for someone else to have them. You, I, I want you to be a nana, but yeah. I, don't want you to, I don't want you to take them and parent them. I don't, I don't want that. And yeah. that's, yeah. How I, that's how I chose to be a mum. Yeah. It's what I wanted to it's what I wanted to do. You know, yeah. I did the... I mean, we didn't have much money. It, it came with sacrifices yeah. because we, you know, it was back when... Uh, I make it sound like it's back in the Ice Age, but it was It was a different It was a different time. Yeah. It was a different yeah. time. I mean, yeah. so, so much different to now. We had... Yeah. We got paid in, a, in an envelope, you know. The money came mm-hmm. in a pay envelope and you came with a pay slip, you know. Yeah. And we had a, an exercise book and Tony would come home on a Friday night with the pay and we'd get the kids off doing something and we'd sit down and open up the book now and, and this is when you paid all your bills you drove you got in the car yes i remember doing that with mum right? <laughs> you went to the bank and you paid your house payment you know yeah. the house payment was just just a number a hundred dollars so we'd sit down we'd, we'd put all the cash down and we'd sit mm-hmm. together and it's like okay so a hundred for that a hundred there mm-hmm. 
the telephone bills forty four dollars. You know, you put everything out and put it in all little envelopes. Yep. Got sixty dollars left. That's mm. got to pay for the groceries, anything to do with kindy or anyone need clothes or that was that was everything. So when I wrote my shopping list, well, we can't get the chocolate biscuits, you know, and I grew all my veggies from scratch, yeah. all of them. I had a, we had a big backyard. I had a massive veggie patch, yeah. and Tony was Italian, and his mum, I mean, they're just amazing. They what they didn't grow, yeah, yeah. Um, so she and my parents grew veggies too. So between all of us, we mm-hmm. all, you know, we all were self sufficient. Yeah. Um, Tony's dad also um, used to work at the abattoir, so he used to kill all their meat. Yep. And this is before, well, before I went vegetarian, but um, mm. even so, we had meat eaters in the house. So they yeah. they quite often would kill a pig or a sheep or something and bring us around a heap of meat mm-hmm. that went in the freezer. Yep. But I I grew, you know, I'd grow 50 tomato plants at once and make all yeah. my own posada mm. and, yeah. and yeah. all the girls... Um, snacks and cakes and biscuits were all cooked from scratch. I didn't mm-hmm. not not only could I not afford it, it's it's what I wanted with my day. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have we didn't yeah. have YouTube to watch, or we didn't have Netflix, or we had two channels, Channel yeah. Eight and Channel Two. Yeah, that's all you had. Yeah. wasn't much to choose from. Yeah. TV actually went off the air, like. It didn't start till 10 o'clock in the morning or yeah, something. Yeah, and they put the test panel on yeah. at night when yeah. they're closing the station. Yeah, yeah. Oh so, so you also couldn't entertain your children with, <laughs> with uh, tablets. Yeah. There was no <laughs> such thing. So, yeah. you know, you'd get them at the table painting or mm-hmm. they'd stand up at the bench and I had little aprons for them and yeah. because there was a five-year gap um, between the first two and and the last one, the, mm-hmm. the eldest two would stand up at, on chairs at the bench with their little aprons on and they'd help me make biscuits. They'd put the fork marks on the biscuits yeah, or yeah. lick the bowl or, you know, they, <laughs> they, I mean, the days were full. Yeah. By the time I did yeah. all that, and we had cloth nappies and, yep. you know, it was a competition between me and the neighbours to who had the whitest nappies on the line and <laughs> I, I won. <laughs> Mine were great. Oh, good for you. You know, soaking, yeah. soaking nappies and rinsing nappies and, yeah. and all those things. They took time. It yeah. was though the days were full. Yeah, literally was a full time job. Yep. We've talked about your identity sort of shift, you know, mm. when the girls moved out. Because you so strongly wanted to be a mum, when mm. you became a mum, was it was it what you thought it was going to be? Did you 
was did you sort of your identity it was it was smoothly it went was into it or was everything it, yeah right I wanted it to be yeah it was it was everything and I'd and I'd be lying if I said it was like that every day yeah 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 there's always ups and downs because there were there was many a day sitting on a nappy bucket in the laundry with the door shut sobbing into my own arm yeah while I could hear the kids laughing out there mm. you know there was many a day and yeah. I had horrible postnatal depression with yeah. my second baby yeah I had a planned um c-section she was breech and yeah. they she wouldn't turn so 10 days before her due date I had a c-section mm-hmm. um I was part way through her I had a had an epidural um so I could be awake for it but they were part way through bringing her out and the epidural wore off <gasps> And at that time, it was um, was up on the Hill Hospital, and it yeah. was a teaching hospital. There were thirteen student midwives in the theatre, and I could see my reflection in the theatre light. I could see you know the screen <gasps> up. Oh Lord, Maria! It was it was the worst. It was the worst. So they they had her head out, and I got I started to get feeling back, and and I'm saying I can feel that I can feel, and I was starting to panic. Yep. And Dr. Foy is saying, remember Dr. Foy yeah. at all? Yeah. Dr. Foy is saying, no, it's just the, you can feel the sensation. I said, no, I can feel it. I can feel it. And I was like, I was starting to writhe. Oh, God. And he's saying, can you keep that, can you keep that woman still? <gasps> and I, so I was, and Jesus. like, so what, what had happened is the epidural had, had blocked, but she, it hadn't blocked a nerve she was laying on. Oh. So once they moved her, the, it just, it hadn't worked in that particular spot. Oh my god! So I've got this gaping wound, and I've got complete sensation. So my last memory that they got her out and they put her on my chest, thinking yeah. that that would calm me down, and I'm just pushing her off. Yeah, you know they seen... they grabbed her, and last my last memory is them putting the air hose down my throat mm, while I wasn't care. out, and I'm yeah. like I was clawing at it trying to get out. Anyway, I woke mm. up in recovery and all was good. Sorry, I had a big reaction to that because I had cesarean. And I felt that I didn't feel the pain that you felt, but I could feel everything, and it scared the shit out of me. Mm. I just did not enjoy it. Horrible. One bit. It was. I even now I'm feeling goosebumps. From sorry. It. No, that's Should have okay. warned you. No, no, that's all right. Yeah. Oh, that's a horrible story. I'm so sorry. I mean, they're ushering all the. Once they realised it was <laughs> How serious, it, it was. was for yeah. real. Like, yeah. she's not pretending. Like as if you would. Like it was bullshit. <laughs> Absolute bullshit. Again, don't listen to a woman when she's. But you know. but it wasn't then that I thought it was bullshit. It was mm-hmm. once I got a bit stronger in the years later. I'm like, that was bullshit. Yeah. Because you should have listened to me the first time, <laughs> and not why would you? It was it wasn't April Fool's Day by the way? I wasn't. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a joke. Yeah. But I knew I knew they knew I was serious when they started ushering all the midwives out. They're like, yeah, oh, no, yeah. we're everybody out. Yeah. And Tony had to go out, so I was, you know, um, they put me under and. And then I woke up, I woke up and everyone had already handed my baby around. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was in that time where that stuff wasn't sensitive either. Yeah. And um, the babies didn't stay with you. They went to a little room, didn't they? No, 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 no. She, 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 she was in the room, but once they got me from recovery and took me back to the room, yeah. the baby was, Mia was already in the room and family were there and they had already passed her around. Oh. And... Yeah. Because I because it took me a long time to understand why I got postnatal depression because I didn't get it the first time. Yeah, yeah. But when I look back, I felt robbed. Mm. I felt robbed because yeah. I had to have a C-section because yeah. I had a fantastic um, vaginal birth the first time. So I just assumed that 
I was going to be able to do that again. Yeah. And she was nine pound one, so I thought, well, my hips are fine. Clearly, yeah. I'm going to get this one out because she yeah. was a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can't plan a breach. I mean, she yeah. just wasn't. She was a foot being breached, so she had one leg straight and one arm up over her head and one arm down oh, the side. Yeah. So she was all over the shop. And if one leg had come out first, it was going to be a bit of a catastrophe. They said. So anyway. Um, and then following that, um, like breastfeeding went well. I loved breastfeeding. Yep. I mean, I know I know there's mums that don't like it, but loved it. Love, yep. love, loved it. Um, that went well. Mm-hmm. Then when I got discharged from hospital, I um, got a urinary tract infection mm-hmm. and I had a reaction to the antibiotics. And I'm talking a urinary tract infection where I was walking around with an ice cream bucket because oh. I literally couldn't get two steps without feeling like I had to pee and mm-hmm. I was peeing blood and it was pretty hard. Oh. So once I got the antibiotics right, that started to clear up, but Mia was 10 days old and postnatal depression hit mm-hmm. like like a sledgehammer. Yeah. Like I was in the fetal position in the laundry on the floor, mm-hmm. just asking for my mum. I couldn't, don't, don't even give me a baby. Don't even hand mm-hmm. it to me because I'm not interested in even looking at, looking at her. Plus I had a toddler as well. Yeah. So... Um, my husband called my mum and my mum came and and mum said you know you've got two kids to look after here you need to pull yourself together and and that was the right thing to say in the moment for mum but it's probably not what I needed to hear I wanted I think I wanted mum to say and again I don't want mum to think that she did anything wrong Mm -hmm. but I think I wanted mum to say it's going to be okay it's just going to be okay so they ended up calling the GP Mm -hmm. to the house and Anyone that knows Dr. Cross, Dr. Cross oh, came. Yeah. And she was whispering. Yes. And I'm like, I'm sobbing and yeah. she's whispering. So to hear her, I had to stop crying. Mm-hmm. And she's kneeling at my feet and she's got her hands on my knees and and she's, you know, tapping me and she's talking me through it. So I ended up um, back in hospital for seven days. Yeah. And no visitors, just just me and the, and the baby. Mm-hmm. And family could come, like I had the girls and... Um, had Cassie and Tony could come but no other visitors mm-hmm. and they sent me um, uh, she was a um, clinical psychologist but she was uh, specialised in postnatal depression Yeah. so I've got I've got my c-section I've got my urinary tract infection I've got these these boulders on my chest that yeah. are just squirting milk everywhere yep. feeling like a piece of shit and they send me this blonde, blonde bombshell. <laughs> and she walks in and she's stunning. Yeah. She's got she's got the she's got it all going on. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so you think you, you are not gonna be able to help me yeah. in any way. Anyway, she was the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. And I use skills that she taught me then to, as I still use them today. Yeah. You know, like um, reverse to do list, you know, you write you write your to do list, mm-hmm. but you add the things on at the end of the day that you also did so that yeah. you feel like you really achieved at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. She also taught me, she taught me to write a to-do list with two things on it, get out of bed and feed everybody. That's it. Yeah. That was all, all I had to do when I went home was get out of bed and feed, just feed everyone, nothing yeah. else. And that got me through because I realised, well, they really were the two, mm. the only two things I needed to do yeah. and the most important things. And, yeah, she was amazing. I saw her for quite some time after just um, doing a lot of cognitive behavioural therapy, mm-hmm. just you know how I was talking to myself and, yeah. and all those things. And 
yeah, she got me back on my feet. Wow. So, yeah, looks are deceiving. She looked yeah. amazing, but she had some great skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and me saying that was just how I felt in the moment. But I remember oh, thinking yeah. that, I remember thinking, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> Could you send me anyone? What the actual? <laughs> Let's opposite to me. Right exactly. Now. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Um, but as far as being a mum, I just, I just loved it. Yeah. I just loved it. You know, I didn't like it every day. Mm. And it wasn't a reflection on my girls. I loved my girls every day. You know, there were days, you know, and yeah. had plenty of meltdowns. Yeah. But um, in in the the essence of being a mum, I loved it, yeah. and I loved, yeah, I loved, and I I just I tried so hard. Mm. I remember being very conscious of how I parented my girls, yeah. and tried so hard to get it right. And I didn't always because there's no such thing as a perfect mum, yeah. or a perfect human being for that matter. Yeah. But um, I did my best, and you know the, the you know, for me the, the biggest evidence that I that we as parents got something right, is watching them as adults, mm. is is watching them as functional human beings in the community, yeah, and hearing other, people that have interacted with them tell you, that yeah. that they're beautiful people, yeah. or that they did something for them just out of the goodness of their heart and how amazing that was. And I don't always tell the girls when I hear that, Yeah. but I yeah. quite often do. Yeah. And it, and it just, yeah. yeah, I tear up. My mum and I have stray dog syndrome, we call it, where we take in people <laughs> or we rescue people. Yes. And my mum, like we never knew who was going to be at our Christmas table because mum and dad did meals on wheels and they often picked up a stray along the way and, and we loved them all. Yeah, yeah. But that's, mum and dad were like that and I think, you know, I was, I bore witness to that through my life. Yeah. And yeah. I always rescued the animals as a kid. I bought the, mm -hmm. the bird home that had been, you know, clawed by a cat or, yeah. you know, whatever I bought lots of things home that had to go back because <laughs> we couldn't keep them all but that's the thing you can't walk past something and not do something can't not help I still do that with worms like I said yeah worms. yeah think, oh, you're in the wrong spot quick go back in snails the I know they're still going to get eaten eventually because that's yeah. the cycle of life but I feel now you've got to give them a crack yeah you've exactly. got to give them a chance that's exactly what I think yeah. you should have seen me in my gardening business you know oh. you'd if it was an early morning mow you know, oh the snails all over I'd the pick them all up lawns. all yeah. of them yeah, and I had one customer saw me doing it one day, and she actually she actually told me off. She said, "So you're putting them all back, and I'm going to put snail bait over there." I said, "Well, you do what you need to do when I'm gone, but yeah. I can't run the motor right with now. my lawnmower. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry." 
and I would spend ages at because sometimes there's 30, 40 snails crawling yeah. across the lawn at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. No, Leah would have to pick them all up in the bucket and put them all over there. <laughs> that's just I me. I love that. But that's awesome. It's, yeah, it's not, for me, it's not what my girls have achieved in their work life or, you know, and they've all done amazing things. Mm. It's who they are as people, who yeah. they are as human beings. And, yeah. and now that I've watched them parent, and they all parent, I've got two that have human babies and one that has her beautiful cat babies. Yeah. And they're all, she parents those cat babies <laughs> just like they were her human babies. Yeah. yeah. And they just, they just have beautiful hearts. Mm. And I'm, that's what I'm proudest of. Yeah. And I think, well, we did something right to make them, to, to, to give them that start. They can choose to do whatever they want to do with that, but they've mm. certainly gone on and, you know, continued on with that, which makes me happy. Yeah. Good on you. I love that. Oh, that is wonderful. So when my first grandchild was born, um, all my mum friends that had already become grandparents had said, you just wait, you just wait. You're not going to believe how amazing it is. And I knew it would be amazing. Mm -hmm. But nothing prepared me for not only how amazing it was, but the emotion it brought up for the end of an era for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I never ever thought about it. Someone should write a book. Maybe, maybe I'll write a book. Mm -hmm. But when when... She came home from the hospital and they, they, because COVID hit pretty soon after. So once we got through that and I was able to then go to the house and be a part of it, mm -hmm. I couldn't stay because yeah. it, because it wasn't my, it wasn't my turn. It wasn't my baby. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was heart wrenching. And I, and I don't know if that makes sense, mm -hmm. but it was, I knew, I knew, I mean, I wasn't delusional. I knew she wasn't my baby. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But. The last time I'd been hands-on with a baby, they were my babies. Mm. And I got to witness the whole journey. And all I wanted to do was witness the whole journey. But when the realisation came that I had to go home and I couldn't witness the whole journey, it mm. broke my heart. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I wanted to watch my daughter parent her daughter. Yeah. And I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't watch it all. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I found that really hard. Once I got, once I, once I realised and I, and I sort of worked through my own emotions. Yeah. But it was fine. Yeah, you're right. No but I didn't expect it. about that, do no, they? No, It's not, it's all this excitement and the mm. happiness and, the, but it literally isn't, it is a defined end of, you know, one mm. era, the start of another. Yeah. And all the, the emotions and they're involved in that transition. Mm. Yeah. Because if you can picture to... Like I've got my two hands up facing each other. If you can picture this was this is my daughter and this is me and we're facing each other. Yeah. When when your children have their own children, they turn they turn around yeah. and they face a different direction. Yeah. And she still they still turn back and they still I mean we're we're very close. We're all very close. So I get a lot of phone calls and I get a lot of sharing and all the things. Mm. I don't miss a thing. Yeah. 
but it's different. Yeah. It's it's like okay, well, it's a definite. It's a it's a transition. Mm. It goes from, well, it's just you. It's just yeah. the mother and the daughter, yeah. and I think maybe it's particularly with mothers and daughters. I would imagine, yeah. to it's now, it's now. Well, you're there, and they'll they'll come to you when they need you. But but you literally have to just stand in the background, mm. and you only get to be a part of what you're allowed to be a part of. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it and does. my girls are very generous. I'm not making it sound like, you know, they're very inclusive and and share so much i mean facetime i get facetime and i get all the things and it's amazing yeah but you really you only get to be a part of what they'll mm. enable you to be a part of or what time allows you to be a part of because yeah. you're not hands-on all the time yeah. that was a really big um mm. yeah they were big realizations and and very emotive for me i mean i'm a very feeling person i feel deeply yeah and that that was not, not something I expected to feel yeah. at all. Yeah, that's that's a really good mm. point. Yeah, yeah, that's a really big point. And you yeah. want to be there. Like, oh yeah. Like you're yeah. like, oh no, it's not. And I don't mean to tell them what to do because they're doing amazing. Mm. But just to be, yeah. just to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, part that's of the part of the finding your identity again yes. is well now. Yeah. I have to learn what a grandmother is because I've never been a grandmother. So I have to learn what that means and how I navigate that to how it works for me, but most of all how it works for them. Mm. Yeah. There's all these things you don't think of, isn't mm. there? Like I'm thinking of that now going, oh, great. <laughs> something else to look forward to. <laughs> I'm not making it sound uh, like... Do, uh, look, no, I just think no, life think... is a series of lessons. Yeah. and Things are always evolving and changing and... You're learning all the time. You know, you think you think puberty, childbirth, menopause. You think maybe there's just the three. Man, let me tell you, I've there's there's been a million of those, and you just think, okay, we're there yet? Please, I don't need any more. Yeah, (laughs) let me just come to terms with this one. (laughs) (laughs) And I know I could be, I could, you know, I I admire some people for their care and easy, free and easy attitude, and they can just ah. You know, you just move on. I'm not that person because I feel. I just yeah, feel everything. Yeah, exactly. And you I have to. And I well, I have to feel it, and I have to go through the whole process mm-hmm. to understand it. And if I can't understand it, then I struggle. But once I can understand it and and yeah. journal about it or yeah. read a book about it, then I can. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good to go. interesting as I over the long weekend no joke would have been 15 garbage bags full of clothes plus four more which is probably turning into five more now that I've given to my mum and my sister and the emotional experience of going through those clothes I I, did, I just thought 
my husband laughed at me because I, I, every now and then I have to break and I was in tears. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, but this was the, when I had the baby, this is what I wore. Mm. You know, all these, it brought it's up huge. so much stuff. And I can't believe the amount of stuff I had. It's like huge. ridiculous, the amount of stuff I had. Um, but yeah, would you mind sharing the experience you had mm. doing that? So <clears throat> I haven't got a massive wardrobe, but I had a lot in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a hoarder. Yeah. But I hold on to things that mean something to me or, yeah. I don't know, for whatever reason. Anyway, um, my oldest daughter, Cassie, bless her little heart, said, when I come home on the long weekend, Mum, would you like me to help you clean out your wardrobe? I said, sure, let's do that. And I'm pretty sure Mia was going to be a part of it too, but she had to fly back a day earlier, so she was uh, had already gone home. But as it got closer, I was backpedalling and I was saying to yeah. Cass, oh, Look, honestly, I'll be good. I'll just do it when you're gone because I think we're going to run out of time. It's, you know, yeah. like I want to spend more time with Ollie and, you know, all the things. She said, oh, I'm not going to make you, but I'm happy to do it. I really love doing that. Anyway, yeah. we had, he, Ollie ended up going to bed. That's her little boy. He ended up going to bed and we thought, oh, now's a good time. So we, she said, look, let's just take everything out and we'll throw it all on the bed. <clears throat> yeah. So we took it all out and put it on the bed. And she said, you just pick up each item and I'm not going to pressure you you just do whatever you want to do well some things were an absolute that's got to go that's got to go and I had no problem with those and then there was a so we had a that's got to go pile mm -hmm. we had a oh, I might try that on and just see pile and then we had a definite that's not because I really love that mm -hmm. so the definitely not going things Cassie was color coding <laughs> and because that's her yeah. <clears throat> she was color she she um she was a visual merchandiser for JJ's for many years oh, so right. She's got so the eye thing. for all that. It's her thing. <laughs> so she was colour coding all my clothes as they were going back in the wardrobe. Yeah. We did. We got that all done, and 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 it was some of them I was holding up, and she's shaking her head before I'd even made her mind up. She's going no, <laughs> no, 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 no. So I took her lead and got rid of them. Yeah. So then we got we got that done, and she she pulled the door closed and the walk-in robe, and I had all my dressing gowns hanging up, and she said. For God's sake, how many dressing gowns does one person need? And I said, well, that one's my winter one because I like that colour and that one's my winter one because that one collects cat hair. Well, now that the cats are outside and don't come inside anymore, I can yeah. wear that one. And this is my summer one that's short. This is my summer one that's long. And this <laughs> one's one that Georgia bought me back from Thailand and this one's one that you girls bought me for Mother's Day and I can't bear to part with it. Yeah. And she said, what about... And she said, okay, so let, pick your favourite long one and pick your favourite short one. And I said... Like, it took me ages. I just couldn't. Yeah. I ended up narrowing it down, and we did that. And she said, what about this skanky old green thing here? And it's not. It's it's just a short toweling dressing gown that I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think I gave this to you, like, years ago. She said, I mm -hmm. think we were still – I think you and Dad were still together when I had this. And I said, yeah, that's right. And I could, I could feel the emotion coming up. Yeah, yeah. And she said um, – well, you don't. You can't possibly need that now. And she was. She didn't realise that I was getting emotional about it. She said, "You can't possibly need that now. You've got all these other ones that are much nicer." She said, "I mean, it's nice, but it's not that nice." And I said, "I just like to keep it because it means something to me. It's you know sentimental." And she said, "I don't. I don't understand." Mm. Or oh, I just burst into tears because I. I don't think I understood it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I said to her, "I think. I think it's one of the last connections to our family life." I said, because I can remember you wearing it when we used to sit in the lounge around the fire and we were watching TV all together, the five of us together. Yeah. And she said, oh, really, Mum? And I said, yeah. And I said, and, you know, 
I said, I know it's a funny thing to say, but sometimes I put it on. If I'm feeling really flat, I'll wear it. Yeah. And it makes me think of, of you and, uh, you know, and it's not like I miss my, it's not like I want my husband back. Yeah. I'm not saying that. It's, it's that it's the, family. It's the unit. Yes. It's the family unit. And yeah. they weren't all bad times. There were some really good times in there or we wouldn't have been together for 22 years. Yeah. I said, sometimes I put it on. Yeah. And she said, oh, mum. And she said, I wish you'd just said that. I wouldn't have pressured you and I said well you didn't really pressure me I said but I would like to keep that one so then she just lovingly picked it up and she just hung it back on the on the hook and it's and I've kept it yeah. and you know I probably I may not ever wear it you know but I like to I like to have it because that's what it means but yeah how how like how emotion fueled is a dressing gown like it's crazy and I didn't realize until it looked like it was going to go. Yeah. And it's, it's the one on item that. that I yeah. kept. It's the only thing I kept that, that made me really emotional. I got rid of so many. I mean, I, I don't know how many garbage bags you said, but I think I had eight. Yeah. <laughs> eight garbage. All went yeah. to the op shop. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and yeah. I was I was happy to see them go. Yeah. Um, just an add-on to that, my beautiful partner, he's, he's so hands-on when it comes to helping with things. Mm-hmm. And... The next day, I went back in to finish off things in there, and um, I had all the bags all lined up. And he said, "Oh, uh, how much have you got left to go?" And I said, "I've just got a couple of things to finish, and I'd really like to take them all together when I'm finished." And he said, "Well, how about I just load all these in the car and take them, and then when you finish the others tomorrow, you can take them." And I said, "Oh, but I really, I really am selective about where I want them to go because mm-hmm. I know where I know which op shop I want them to go to and everything." And he said, "Oh, that's all right. I can do that. I'll just do that." And I said, "Oh, I might just wait till tomorrow, and then when I'm finished." And I was trying not to make a big deal, mm-hmm. but I'll say, "Could see he just wanted to help," and I'm thinking, "Oh, he just wants to help." Yeah. So I said, "Oh, okay. All right. Well, you do that." And I think I was a bit huffy when I said it. I said, "You just, you just take them then." So he loaded them all in the car, and when he got them all in the car, I'll. I thought, oh, I've got one last reason why maybe he'll just bring them all back. Mm. So I went out there and I said, oh, I just want to take a photo of them all together so I could send them to Cass and show her how it ended yeah. up. Yeah. And he said, well, take a photo of them in the car. <laughs> so I looked at the car and I said, oh, it's not quite the same. And so I just came back inside. So he drove off. Yeah. And I watched him, like I watched him drive off and I sat there sobbing on the yeah. bed yeah. because I wanted to do it. It was, it was closure for me to mm-hmm. do it. And I wasn't going to take anything out and keep anything, but it was just closure for me. When he came back, he could see I'd been crying. Mm-hmm. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, I didn't want you to do that. I wanted to do it myself. And he went, anyway, sadly, we had a bit of an argument about it because he mm-hmm. said, well, you should have made it clearer. And I said, well, I'm not going to spell it out like you're five. I said, I didn't want you to take him. And, and there was a reason. And he was heartbroken. Yeah. He had... He got really emotional too. He said, I, I wouldn't hurt you for the world. And I said, I know that. Mm-hmm. And I know you didn't do it to hurt me. And maybe I should have really explained myself. But I said, I feel like that's been ripped away from me and I haven't had a chance to close it. Yeah. But I got over it the next day. But it, it was so, yeah, so powerful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can re- I can understand that. Because mm. it's like that last, it's that last act mm. of letting it go. Mm. You know, I, I did that when I put my stuff in the, in the funny bin thing. And I, as I was driving away, I was just bawling my mm, eyes out. Mm. It's like, I, I wanted this stuff to go. So it's not like, oh, no, yeah, yeah, I wish yeah. I had a kept. Oh, yeah, I get that. It's just that I know that part of my life is truly gone yeah, now. that was exactly what it was. Stuff, you know? Yeah, because I, oh. I had other things in there too, like like yourself, that, that I can tell you when I bought them and... Mm-hmm where I was and all the things and they oh, had yeah. meaning yep. and that's why I wanted to select where they went. I wanted to see where they went. Yeah. 
and I yeah. wanted to be responsible for where they went. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I, oh, yeah. I wanted it to be me that did it. Yeah. And and even though he came back and said exactly where he took them, mm-hmm. and I believe that he did. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that. I I just wanted to do what like you did, drive away. And if I needed a tear, I needed a tear. And I probably wanted to do it by myself. Yes. Oh yeah, I did mine by myself. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah. It's massive. Yeah. Isn't it? And yeah, it was like some of the stuff. I laughed. I thought, why have I still got this? And then I'd be going, oh, I know why I've still got this because, mm. you know, it reminds me of this this particular time in my life or whatever. And some things I was so happy to let go of. Yeah. It didn't even think twice. Like, you know how you say when you picked it up, your daughter had said, nah, even before you'd sort of lifted it up. I was like, oh, what am I still about that for? Whatever. But then other things. Well, like, some things oh, are just definite. Gosh. Yeah, there's no... And even the keepers, some things were definite that I was keeping. Even if she'd said... No, no, no. I would have oh, said, well, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. I actually love this and I love wearing it. I feel good when I wear it, so I'm keeping yeah. it. I kept stuff that I'll never wear again, but the sentimental value. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. very sentimental like that. Like you, I'm not, I don't, I don't, my husband would say I'm a hoarder, but I don't think I'm a hoarder. <laughs> no, I don't, I, I don't think I'm a hoarder. That are important to me, yeah. you know. So I've got these jump, a jumper that my nana wore that I used to wear when I was a, as a kid. So I've kept that. I've got a little drawer now where I've, yeah. I've cleaned out a spot where I keep the yeah. things that I, I don't want to part with. Yeah. Um, but, and yeah, so many things I gave to my mum and my sister because I didn't want to part with them. Yeah. I thought I'd like to still see them in my life. Yeah, yeah. So you know <laughs> where they, they are. Wear them. That'd be lovely. <laughs> but no pressure. I always say no pressure if you don't like it. You know, obviously, you know, but don't I, but like it. See, I I can live with that. Yeah. I can give it to someone and say, look, I'd like you to have it, and if you feel like getting rid of it, just get rid of it. Yeah. Because once I've left it, then it's out of I, I've got no control. Then. Yeah. You yes. don't mind what happens yeah. to it. You're yeah. not going to say them. You have to keep that. Yeah, you no, have... <laughs> no, no, no. And I say that to my girls. Like I've got, you know, I've got a couple of big tubs of things of my mum and dad's that are from their grand, from my grandparents, yeah, so from their right. parents that are out there all wrapped yeah. up in some, you know, probably probably some valuable things maybe. Mm-hmm. But I've shown my girls where they are and what they are, and I've explained what they are. Yeah. And I've said to them, I'm keeping them because they mean something to me. Obviously, when I'm gone, I won't know, but do not have an ounce of guilt if mm. you need to take the whole box to the op shop because yes. they might not mean anything to you. It's another generation on. Yes, that's so a, don't, that's important I just thing, don't want it? them to be, be saddled with that, that. Yeah. guilt that, that people feel when they say, oh, but yeah. someone gave that to me back in 1927 and I don't want to part with it. Yeah. It probably doesn't mean anything to to them, you know. She found that, that, that reminds me of when, when Pop passed away, when we're going through his stuff. Um, and you'd find things, think, what the hell has he kept this for? Mm. And there was obviously a very good reason he mm. kept it. He was more of a hoarder. My dad, yeah, my dad's got, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's a reason for yeah, it, yeah, you know. Yeah, And I sort of felt a little bit like, like I should keep this because he was important to him. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, I thought, I can't keep everything. There no. was just so much stuff here. And as it was, I took boxes of stuff that I haven't even done anything with. They're just sitting there because I just couldn't bear to let them go. Mm. Yeah, but you know, over time that might change. You know, it's only been coming up twelve months yeah, it's since not, since not he passed. So, I think you know. I think from what I saw of Rob's situation when his mum passed away and we we cleaned her house, he bought we we bought a heap of stuff here and a lot of it we had a garage sale or we gave it away or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's some stuff that we kept in the shed. Yeah, and bit by bit, some of it's gone. Yeah. Over time. But it's time, and I've said yeah. that to Rob, my my parents, there'll be things that I said prepare to clear out half the shed to make room for it when I have to do it for my parents. Mm-hmm. And I said, and over time, I'll whittle it down. Yeah. But in the moment, 
I'll it'll be a part of them and I'll have to hang on to it. Yeah. I just won't be able to part with it. So yeah. you just have to bear with that. I think yeah. that's a it's a process that it's part of the mourning. I think it is. It's isn't part it? of the grieving yeah. and it's a, it happens stage by stage as you go through. Yeah, absolutely. links to all your socials but where what's where do you where are you most active is it like instagram or facebook where do you like people to get in touch with you i love instagram stories yeah <laughs> i've had to cut down my instagram stories because i think i i love your yeah. stories do you though. when you're going uh, for a walk yeah but, but um, i think i put too many the on in the garden i think i put too many slides on like i've I do whatever you like. I share them like I'm doing it, but yeah. yeah, but people's eyes glaze over. I'm sure that I can. They probably swipe past most of those. But you know, again, it's who I am. It, that's the thing. Yeah, do you do what you like, and then everyone else can sort themselves out. I love I love Instagram stories because I feel like I'm a I love telling stories, so I yeah. like I like that part of it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook and Instagram, mm -hmm. so that's pretty much pretty much all. I'd like to blog again, but yeah, I don't know. I'd like to blog about so many things. And I've, <laughs> and I've come back to Facebook several times and told everyone, hey, because I, I might, sometimes I'll write something that's nothing to do with food. It's a life thing because I'm deep and I like all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And people love it. Yeah. Like like the response I get from people, mm -hmm. I get, and I get private messages all from all of them. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll come back straight after it and I go, Oh, it seems like people really like that. I'm going to do more of it, and I like I publicly announce I'm doing it, and then I don't do it. Because <laughs> then I again I get that whole well, really, who wants to hear about my grandparenting journey and how I feel about that? Probably no one. But I think I can see I can see who my audience are. Like it's yeah. about three and a half thousand people, but I can see yeah. how many of them are my age demographic. Yeah, and yeah. probably at a similar life stage. And even if they're not. It's going to happen to them too, yeah. so it's yeah. probably worth talking about. So yeah. I often think of doing that, and I think maybe I'll have a separate blog, and I think, oh, why don't I just do it there? Yeah. If people don't want it, they can scroll by. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Don't read it. If you don't, if it's not your thing, don't yeah. read it. 
Yeah. And then I feel bad because I've got men in there and I think, oh, I'm always going to speak about women's things, but I'm a woman. Yeah. I don't know how to talk from a men's perspective. They can start their own blog if they wish. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think... I know the whole thing with social media. It's like you can think too much about it. I yeah. Think. I think just do what. Yeah. Maybe do I should stop overthinking it. You. Yeah. Sorry, I'm pointing there. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone else like can please themselves. Mm. You know. Yeah. That's what my pop used to say. Because sometimes I feel like, sometimes a topic comes into my head, like like talking about the grandparent thing, and I think, oh, God, I could write so much about that. Yeah. And and like a couple of things I said that you said you hadn't thought of. Yes. Because you yeah. haven't had that experience yet. I guess I also don't want, I don't want to get on there and tell a story like that, and people think, oh, is it, does it sound like a whinge? But I don't think my stuff sounds like no, a whinge. No, no, it doesn't sound like I a like, whinge. I like to just share. You're sharing it. A, a deep feeling yeah. or a thought, you know. I yeah. really I really enjoy that, sharing. Yeah. That, that's how I connect with people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it gives people, other people, permission to share yes. the same vulnerabilities Absolutely. that I share. I'm very, I'm very, very for that. I think that we don't talk enough about stuff, mm. particularly when it comes to mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm all about um, that. Like, just, we've got to talk about it. Because mm. the more we talk about it, the more we talk about it, and it just mm. grows on itself, you know. It becomes not a stigma thing that we're all too scared to mention. Mm. It's part of life. Mm. And more people would have it than would admit, oh, you know. I was just going to say that. I, yeah. 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 And I don't... Anyone that mocks anyone with any kind of mental health issue... Mm mild severe or otherwise um yeah needs to have a look at themselves because mm-hmm. it's debilitating and as i said people like, like like out there i'm one of the most um bubbly you know like that's the thing yeah it's easy and, and i and i'm not putting that on i'm i'm like that when i get comfortable yeah yeah but i'm if anyone's seen the not so great side of me as in you know, they've. Um, I've not been my best self on my best behaviour. I probably don't feel comfortable with them. Yeah. Because when I because yeah. when I truly feel comfortable with someone, I'm the most loving, giving, yeah. thoughtful, deep, yeah. sharing person you could ever meet. Yeah. But I have to feel comfortable. Yeah. And if if I've got my guard up, yeah, I can't be myself. I yeah. can't give the best of myself. That's it, isn't it? And it's sad yeah. that I can't do that, but I can't pretend either. I'm yeah. very transparent. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's I can understand that. Mm.
So what's uh, what's in the future for Just Frank? What's your uh, oh, if I could clone me? <laughs> I mean, I'm a grandparent now. I think, I mean, Just Frank will it will be there as long as you know I can, as my body will stand there and you yeah. know do that as long as people are wanting my my goodies, mm-hmm. I'll keep doing it because yeah. I really I really love it. And um, just a little side note to that, I think I think my um business also grew from the perspective that it's when i empty nested my just frank family became the people because that's how i show my love that's Mm. how i show i love people i cook for them if i care about you you can be sure you're (laughs) going to get some food because that's how i like i just and even and that's probably why i want it to be my two hands because anyone that buys my food you can be guaranteed i love what i do yeah. And I'm usually listening to something amazing while I'm while doing, you're doing it. it. Okay, yeah. it might be a Formula One podcast because I'm a massive Formula oh, One I fan. Oh, I love Formula One. Oh, my God. Oh, I love Formula Let's One. Let's not get started then. Let's talk about Danny Ricardo. I don't know. It's sad. The whole thing's yeah. sad. I just, my heart breaks for I him. I know. And he's such, he's he's such a, a person, he's such a beautiful he? character on, on track like yeah. he's, or in the paddock. He's yeah. just so loved there. Yeah. I can't believe they haven't given him a seat. I know. Can't believe it. Oh, just, yeah. But anyway, that's another podcast. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, be talking, I'll be talking week. to you later about that. Yeah, catch us next, <laughs> next week after the Japan Grand Prix. We'll have a yeah. chat about that. Oh, God. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, so it's important to you that, you know, what you're, it's you. It's literally you. It's just it is, Frank. It is. And, yeah. and my family, my, my girls were grown on home cooking. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was, part of when I started the business I just wanted to like I wanted to keep cooking for other people I couldn't I I, I literally stopped cooking when I empty nested because well when it was looking when when there were no children around it was hard to cook for one yeah so I just cooked something random for myself Mm -hmm. but I stopped baking I stopped making all these beautiful things that my kids used to have of course then the girls went through there we're watching our weight mum we can only have two biscuits not the whole jar you know whereas back then they'd gobble them up and I'd have to make some more yeah um but yeah that's I mean so anyone anyone listening that buys my food you're my family that's Mm. that's why I do it I love it I love it and I'm meant to someone told me once it was actually Morris Dickens from Dickens Delight I said to him once I said I can't keep up with like the range of stuff that I've got and he said narrow it down to you pick your top five Mm -hmm. and narrow it down to that now, also anyone that's listening that sees how many products I have out there, I think I think there's about 35 different things that yeah, I make yeah. and counting. <laughs> because because Tony Tony Varenas will say she would message me say well, the shelves are bare, Mother Hubbard's shelves are bare. We need some more goodies. Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't order. She doesn't tell me what she wants. Mm-hmm. So I just go right. I had this idea. <laughs> I reckon that fudge that I made would be great dipped in chocolate with more chocolate drizzled with grated chocolate on the top. So mm-hmm. then I'll just come up with them so that 35 goes to 36. So I've got, yeah. and of course I have to put all these in the computer for my invoicing system so I can see mm-hmm. how many there are. Yeah. Yeah. So I just keep using my so, imagination and making new things. So on that, all the recipes are your own mm-hmm. that you tweak or mm-hmm. fiddle or come yep. up with. Yeah, that's all. You right. asked Rob, they're just things I come up with. <laughs> He'll come in there and he'll say, so what are we making today? And I said, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> not quite sure yet. That's but, very funny. And most of them aren't 
written down, yeah. which um, I've just started to document them. <laughs> Sorry, that's because funny. well, it is it is pretty funny if you're not maybe going to sell your business one day. Yeah. But one day, if I'm going to sell the business, and I and and someone says, "Oh, okay, so what are you selling?" I'm saying, "What's well, all in here? Mm-hmm. It's all in my head." <laughs> they can't sell that. No. <laughs> and and besides that, I mean, if I don't sell the business and my girls want to do something with it, I mean, I might give it to them and they might decide to do something with it. And yeah. I need to have them written down. So I've just started to do that. Oh, that's good. So yeah. <laughs> so if if you buy something, and I mean. Actually, having said that, there are the the things that I package are written down. Yeah. But like these things aren't written down. So if you do happen to buy the Rocky Road, um, and it tastes different one day than the next, can I tell you a funny story? Yeah. <laughs> I just sent the Biscoff Rocky Road to Adelaide, mm-hmm. and when I was cutting it up ready to box it, I realised I hadn't put the almonds in. Oh. <laughs> so I rang, I messaged him, and I said, um. I've boxed it all up and it's on its way, but just be prepared. There's no almonds in this one. <laughs> and I think, it, I think it's because everyone was home and I had had my kitchen door shut and I was working in there, but I could hear everything going on. I'm like, oh, I just want to get this done because I want to get back to yeah. being with the family. Yeah. There's no almonds in that one. But there's extra biscuits because I, when I was mixing the chocolate, <laughs> I thought, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't seem like there's enough bulk uh, in here. So yeah, I added extra, extra biscuits. biscuits. So it's really crunchy, but just not with almonds. So sorry about that, Adelaide. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? Oh, so yeah, so that's I'm not awesome. sure what's next. I'm I'm just yeah. doing what I'm doing, um, mm-hmm. loving doing what I'm doing, and while mm-hmm. people are still wanting me to do it, I'll mm-hmm. keep doing it. That's say um, I'm just taking a bit of liberty here if there's anyone that's listening that's interested in veganism or vegan lifestyle would you be happy to chat to 100%, people? 100% yeah. yeah and and as I said very I'm very you know fluid with all of that I yeah everyone's got to start somewhere I mean I didn't go vegan overnight yeah it wasn't a cold turkey thing so I get the transition and I can certainly give people plenty of tips on how to add just add a few meals or, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no end of recipes out there now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you've just got to Google vegan curry, vegan anything, yeah. and you'll find some recipes. But, yeah, I'm more than happy. And if anyone wants to talk about the ethical side of it, mm-hmm. I'm pretty passionate about that topic. Yeah. I just don't I just don't go there a lot because yeah. not everyone wants to hear that. Yeah, but if someone wants to, you will share it. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, always open to that. Inbox me. You know, my phone number's on all my products on the yeah. label, so call me, message me, whatever. Awesome. I knew you'd say that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, I'm always... And I've done a, a fair bit of that over the years. I've yeah, yeah. done a, you know, talk to a lot of people about that kind of thing. I mean, mm. I've I've wanted to get back to doing a, another talk at the library at some oh, time. yes, yes. Something like that, that would be fun. Yeah. Not necessarily about that, but maybe a, a cooking, you know, like a cooking demonstration where we can just casually chat at the same time yeah you know i know the library's open to that so if that's something that's interesting to people and they'd like to do that perhaps give me a yell or comment on your on the podcast post or whatever and yeah Yeah. we can organize that too 
That's awesome. Mm. Well, thank you so much. I've really loved it. Love chatting with you, and thank you for your honesty and your openness and your vulnerability. It's just been such a joy chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much too. <laughs> thank you for your goodies, which I've made a hole in. Oh, well, you can take the rest home if you wish. <gasps> can I? Yes, you can. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Lucky you. Oh, I come here every day to a podcast. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Alison. Oh, thank you. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.